Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs> Recorded live. live. And yes, we are. The day after Thanksgiving, it's called Black Friday. Why is it called Black Friday? It's a beautiful, sunshiny day. It's black because they have so integrated in the people's minds that they have to rush down there and be there at 4 a.m. to be at the doors open at 6 so they can grab, scample, mush, mush each other and throw each other around for saving a couple of bucks? Give me a break. Money isn't that important, and what they buy isn't that important. It's all what we're learning today. It's all about the the <laughs> pagan ritual of Christmas. Our and newspaper was and so, Our newspaper was so big and thick yesterday, I could barely get it in the house. They even had to put it in a special big bag. It, it was so full of crap. Shopping Let's get all the coupons. All the <laughs> grab this, grab that. Be sure and be there at early enough. And all the other. Lead the people to water with the salt of greed. All about greed. So it's it's important that it all went really in the ferret paper file. I say yes. that kind of paper for my neighbor to clean her ferret cage. <laughs> there you go. That's a very good use for it. Because <laughs> most of what we're being led to believe is the fact that it's all lies. All of it. All of it is lies. And the more we get the issue of how much it is a lie, the more we can actually gain some credence on what we really need to know. Who's you know when we should have gotten power? that? When we were six years old and we found out they lied about those strange characters, Santa and the Tooth Fairy and the Easter Bunny. and That's when we all should have woke up and said, you guys are idiots. There you go. There you go. It is that truth factor that they did not want you to know because it is the actual fact of the lies of what has been so perpetrated as, oh, it's Santa Claus. We need Santa Claus. No, we don't. We need you to have more. Most of them are perverts. (laughs) That's right. You got that right. It's unbelievable how much of the degradation that's gone on is purposely done so that none of us catch on and we have caught on and we are fighting back. And that's the issue we have to keep remembering. We are the fighters and fighters need to be... And Colin's ready to go. He's ready to go. He's tired of sitting there cleaning his guns with nothing to do. (laughs) (laughs) He 
let him put them away because we don't need them and give us, let everything be good and happy in heaven on earth. Or stop already. I'm so sick of this. Well, and that's true. All of it's true. Because not, none of what we're seeing is really for our betterment. It is always for our destruction. So, um, separation. Need, uh, that's it. Separation and divi- division is always what it's about. And we we can stop most of it if, and, and we're getting closer to stopping so much of it. By the way, that um, so so many people are waking up to what is going on in the world around us. So it's 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 a good thing. It really is a good thing. So we can get more results if we keep What's looking for more What's going on in West Virginia? Uh, I haven't heard anything. I don't know. And um, it's kind of like they disappeared off the face of the earth type thing. I don't know. Hmm. Just heard a little bit of a rumor that they decided they're not even a a state. (laughs) Well, uh, it it was interesting, and something I read the other day was the fact that um, the um, it it was talking about, and get this, it was talking about a fella in England. His name is Benjamin Benjamin Oh, I've forgotten his name, but he's an actor, and the actor has played many different uh, either leads or been in the movies of some very famous people. One of them was a British guy who uh, broke, and Colin, you'll know his name, who broke the German code in the Second World War. He's a math genius, and he invented his own little... Uh, transcription machine or television or or whatever it was that took the scrambling and made it into words. And um, after the war, because with that scrambling, they were able to decode anything the Germans sent out so they knew where they were and what they were doing. After the war, they they didn't, um, they didn't really credit him for doing anything. And because they found out he was a homosexual, they ostracized him. And now, of course, it's slammed in everyone's face. And and, oh, my God, it's just whipped in your face over and over and over again. And, you know, this is going to come back on them (laughs) big time. And there's going to be a lot of restitution that some of these people are never going to be able to make. Well, I told you what's going on with our gay mayor and the chief chief of police. Well, finally, (laughs) they have finally found an omnibudsman for the police department. But they can't find a U.S. citizen, so they've got to bring in a Canadian. And now he's got to become an American before he can be our omnibudsman. But if he becomes an American, he be- becomes a, a U.S. citizen. Uh, uh, 
I live in the worst place in the world, I swear to God. When God gives the world an enema, it's going in Spokane. <laughs> At least you'll be able to get rid of the shit. Oh, then. <laughs> yes, indeed. Oh dear, that. Is... And we were the ones that had the the NAACP leader, who all of a sudden her parents said she's white? not black, she's white. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this I mean... town is just everything's wrong here. Well, it shows how corrupt things have gotten. That's mm-hmm. really what it's showing. How yeah. corrupt and demented it, it really is. So yeah. it's not far off. That's, that's and darn it, we all could have had our fair share and been happy. It's these greed mongers that, you know, heck, wouldn't you be happy with a million dollars in your bank account? I think every human being on earth deserves that. And I know mm-hmm. there's at least that much gold hidden around the world somewhere and jewels and stuff. Oh, yeah. they, they have it. It's it's that they don't want you to have it. That's the the point you gotta get. They don't want you to have it. You are not permitted to do that. You know that. <laughs> oh, you remind me of that show. What was that show? With that fat guy with the funny hat. Oh, that was um, um, that was that prison thing. Yeah, I'm calling it no. Tell him what was that one with the the German? With the German thing? officer. I, I see nothing. I hear nothing. Hogan's heroes. Hogan's heroes. That was it. Good job. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, Hogan's heroes. And that's that's where we are. That's why we're there. Where we are. They taught us how to be by television. Wasn't there a religious group that didn't believe in watching TV, or a couple of them, because they kind of knew that it was programming? <laughs> Way well, back when. Well, you've got to look at who the Amish um, don't watch television. I know. They don't watch it at all. But we all watched it as kids, and we all got influenced by it, and we all believed yeah. all this crap. Yeah. And mm-hmm. now the unbelievable is coming true, and it's much worse than the phony stuff they were showing us. Well, part of what we have to um, actually start proving to ourselves is, are we part of it or are we not? And Never have uh, been, never will be. Yeah, well, see, sometimes it works out that because we've been indoctrinated, you actually, this article that um, Mm -hmm. uh, George just sent me is very interesting insofar as stating what we think we didn't believe is what we uh, have been made to believe. And that's, that's the part that's so whoa, what's going on here that we have been suckered into all this? And it is about being suckered into things because there is no relief for anything if we don't make the difference ourselves. There was this article uh, and this lady was saying, well, where's the book for us to learn how to do something differently? And I'm going, it's an inside job, Dodo. 
And people don't want it to be an inside job. They want someone to tell them what to do. Correct? Right. Yeah. Just because it's in a book doesn't mean it's the truth. That's the whole point I'm saying. Yeah. It's not an outside job. You've got to be discerning yourself. You have to be able to know what is going on. And if you're not willing to go through that, then you're you're the one that's losing. You are definitely the loser. I do not know what I would do if I went to the doctor and they handed me paperwork that said I was not crazy, that I was normal. I just would not know how to react. Well, <laughs> we, can, we can tell you you're more normal than those other people out there. Yeah. And what you've gone through has been more truth then those people that are calling themselves the doctor, the murder association is just rampant with um, the insanity of what has been going on around us. So I sent Colin a, a big wad of stuff about the GCMAF. What is that? Weren't you guys going to talk about Nalgalese and GCMAF today? We're supposed to. Refreshment. Yeah, Colin has the article on, uh, what was it we were talking about, Colin, on the um, uh, I've forgotten. It's been so long since we talked about it. Yeah, have you got it handy? Yeah, Yeah, I've got it handy. Okay, why don't you bring it up because even though uh, we don't have a lot of people on. Maybe they'll go and listen to it and hear something they need to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, main thrust of it is is a naturally occurring compound in, uh, called magalasi or magalese. an enzyme. And uh, it's used by bacteria, viruses, and cancer cells to mask themselves from the, our immune system. And it works by stopping vitamin D from binding with the protein. And uh, that prevents the formation of GCMAS. Now, why is this being brought up? Why why are you bringing it up? And give them the background as to where this has affected a group of of doctors. All right. uh, This information was discovered by some, some naturopathic doctors that uh, uh, part of the, uh, you know, the defensive system of the pathogenic organism. And they, uh, uh, what got them killed was the fact that uh, it's added, the 
deliberately added to all vaccines. And the result of it is that uh, is autism, cancer, and type 2 diabetes. It's, it's, a, it's a trigger. And so where did these doctors, why, why were these holistic doctors being killed? What was it that they did that brought all of this to the attention of the, um, the killers or whomever? Yeah, well, they, uh, <laughs> they, uh, they were using... Uh, they were manufacturing DCMAS mm-hmm. uh, for, you know, expert, you know, for, uh, for medical use in their practices. This is to treat cancer, reverse autism, and uh, as far as I've been able to figure out, to reverse type 2 diabetes. And, of course, you know there's too much money in all that stuff. So they start committing suicide. Set up suicide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, suicide is the kind where uh, uh, the first one to die shot himself in the chest three times. There were no powder burns on his clothing. And he was found floating in a river in North Carolina. So he shot himself three times in the chest. And then he walked over to a bridge and jumped off it into the river. Yeah, he knew he didn't do it good enough, so he had to do something better. Yeah, and the police ruled it suicide. (laughs) Makes sense to me. But uh, part of the thing that was very interesting was that they were about ready to make this public. And they had treated some. They treated some 15 children. I saw a study. They they used 15 autistic children, and 10 of them got completely well. Could speak yeah. within four days. Well, but it's not... what, that, what the stuff did was to attack their immune system to deteriorate it so that they would not be able to heal themselves. And as right, we they weren't know, getting heal yourself. Their bodies weren't thing. getting the D three it needed to take care of and get that phony shield down so it could kill the cancer. Or mm-hmm. I mean the autism. Could she could yeah. do what was ever causing the body to respond the way an autistic body does. You know, it's overstimulation, I think, or whatever, but well, and it, it, it wasn't receiving its immunities. It was deteriorating right. the immunities, right. and therefore they were they were susceptible to everything. Mm-hmm. That's what, the and then they started using it on other things, and they're thinking it may be able to cure a lot of things besides just what they isolated it to do. But all of a sudden, now they're all being killed. Well, there is, and the, the interesting thing is number 13, which is also a demonic number. So it was purposely set up so it would create fear in the other doctors. 
And the one doctor, um, and I'm way behind in sending out, he had gotten on a radio show, and the way the, the presentation was, and I didn't have my sound at that time, and um, the way they wrote the presentation was, for the first hour, they kept losing contact with the station for making this announcement. In the second hour, they attempted to do it, and it wasn't until almost all the way through the second hour that they made contact, and they finally uh, were able to talk, and he was able to reveal it. But I guess a lot of people probably had gotten off and said, oh, the hell with it, you know, type thing, when actually that was the purpose, was to to uh, discourage anybody from listening to this show. We're finding and that he, on a lot of programs right now, that a lot of the ones that are giving us the truth and stuff are being interrupted on purpose. Yes, yes. And that is that is an MO that they're doing to discourage people from listening to anything on uh, the radio. Isn't that interesting? So that, oh, this is too much work, you know, that kind of crap. And when it's vital that the message gets out, it's very vital that the message gets out. To people. And those of us that are awake are sitting here going, oh, goody, 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 we're hitting the nail on the head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's, it's a, an interesting uh, foible of discouragement to people if they're really just learning what's going on. And, uh, and they're nails. And we know what's going on. Yeah, we know what's going on. We we're know not nails anymore. We're hammers. We're I'd hammer. rather Good be point. a hammer than a nail. Remember that song? No. <laughs> yes, I would. <laughs> if I only could, I surely would. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'd rather be the part that makes it work than just a... Just a minion, you know. Oh, there you go. Good point. Good point. Yeah, that's that's excellent because so many of us are the nail, and we don't even know we've been used as the nail. We've been so, made to look crazy, you know. And so yeah. now that we know we're crazy, and and then we hear our shows being interrupted and stuff, it gives you this inside grin. I like that inside grin. There you go. Mm-hmm. And it is it is about us keep talking about it, what we're doing and how we're doing it, and, and just keep hammering away at it because that's the only way people are going to get it. Psychically, visually, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all being revealed as to how they're doing this shit, and that's, that's really where so much of what uh, we've got to go forward with so that we can keep revealing the truth. The truth is what will set you free, not this lying stuff. Did you see David Trump make fun of the the reporter in the audience that was disabled? I, I I don't... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The guy couldn't use his arms quite right. I think he might have been autistic. I'm not sure. But he went, he raised his hand to talk to Donald, and Donald turned around and made fun of him. 
Oh, that was disgusting. Oh, right on. Yeah. Ooh. Boy, oh, boy, that really looks bad. Well, they're, they're all, all going to be facing their Waterloo's. Waterloo's. <laughs> We've got to come up with a everybody. new torture device. How about truth? <gasps> <laughs> yes, there we go. That's a credible torture device. <laughs> In fact, that would be beautiful if they could just sit down and make a recording of them telling the exact truth. Yeah, I'm tired of Hillary thinking she was an AI made in the basement. Now that's a little too far off. Okay? <laughs> come on, Hillary, come up with something real. If you were tortured from the time you were two years old, then let us hear about that. But I don't, you know, a lot of these people are faking it. There was nothing wrong with them. They just wanted the money. Well, I'll tell you something. My teacher on Thursday put up on the board, we're talking about different kinds of gates, and he put up on the board a politician's logic gate. Now, a gate is a way in which electric current can go if you have it open. It's it's, uh, a a short. If you have it closed, it'll work. Like your light switch. If it's up, it works. If it's down, it's not working. So uh, he called it the politician's logic gate. And I said to him, I said, that's a great oxymoron. He said, you're going to really appreciate what this really stands for. And so he pre- continues his uh, his lecture on what it is, and lo and behold, he tells he gets to where, yeah, this is the politician's logic gate, otherwise known as flip flop. <laughs> and, and the and the kids didn't get it. They didn't they laugh. Didn't. They didn't. They didn't get it. It was oh like, guys, this is what your politician does to you all the time. He never tells the truth. Oh, it's really interesting. They just kind of, mm, till they didn't get it. I go, that's great. I'll have to use that. And so the next day, I'm talking to this kid wasn't really getting a lot of things. So I said, would you like to learn something new? (laughs) 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 I, uh, of course, part of the politician's logic gate. And uh, so I said, that's a great way to define what your politician is doing. And so he was like, (laughs) but the the other one that I had was... um, Oh, well, how did that go? It was, uh, 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 it'll come back. But it's the point that so much of what we're taught is is exactly that flip-flop. They flip-flop all the time. And they're never honest. They're never... You know, never you, can't, you can't speak when you're breathing in. So I would say the only time a politician could even conceive of telling the truth as as they're taking the in-breath. But then when they 
open their mouth and speak, what comes out is just the opposite of what should come out. <laughs> you know? And that was the other line, Patty, you reminded me. The other line was, how do you tell if a politician is lying? And he said, I don't know. I said, they're moving their lips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you just said the perfect point. Perfect point. How they can think the truth and then open their mouth and tell a lie blows there. me away. I just stayed, I've stayed two years old my whole life because of that part of society. Yep. yep. There you go. Simon wants to go outside. No, that's Peppy barking at the people who just came in. Oh. That's you got people there? Simon. Oh, it's just the neighbors. What mm. else? Mm. They have neighbors coming and going. They they for uh, Thanksgiving, he decided to the grandson decided to do a um, what they call the um, kettle turkey, where you have this big oh, huge man. kettle and you put the turkey in it and uh-huh. mm-hmm. it cooks in a matter of minutes type thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did. But they left all their booze out on the, and all the crap that they had. I've seen some uh, pretty good accidents with those turkey cookers that are just hilarious. Oh, they burns up the turkey. Yeah, yeah, they can do a lot of damage. <laughs> you don't know what the well, heck Well, at least doing. they didn't roast a pork in their front yard with an apple in its mouth or something. No, really. They didn't they did not do a luau. And they didn't eat the dogs, so well not my dogs, but they sure did ignore the other ones. Oh so. mm. well, um I can't make them like their dogs, you know what I mean? I have this love affair going on with Rambo and Daddy the cat. It is so funny. I mean, they just—they're just buddies. <laughs> and and the cat is like almost twenty years old. He's never ever been around a dog, but this dog he really really likes. He'll haul off and pop Neo once in a while, but the two other dogs he really respects. Neo's very disrespectful. He'll take. Wow, what a voice. You know, that's Peppy telling everybody there's someone out there. Sorry about that, everybody. I love it. Yeah, yeah. But, um... How's your weather? Oh, it's beautiful. That's what I was saying about my son going down to Florida. We're having this gorgeous weather here. It's not cold. In the morning's a little crisp. It's in the 40s, but that's not bad. Uh-uh. And uh, it's wonderful in the 50s and maybe low 60s in the day. Uh-huh. Hi, Elaine. How are you? Happy Thanksgiving to you. Did you did you crash out of your your uh, what do you call it the um, uh, snowstorm you had? Yeah, we finally finally made it out. So it's fine. There's still a little bit of snow on the ground, but not much. Oh, that's oh you've got a cold today, I can tell. Oh, no, I was up all night. It's like oh. about 2 or 3.30 with the nipples and congestion. How was your thing? 
Thanksgiving, everybody. Patty and um, very good. Was yours? Did you have a turkey with you and your son? No, I picked uh, baked ham and uh, yeah, corn and broccoli and potatoes and uh, it was really good. Really good. Good. Be different. We had chicken. My buddy, uh, my fellow um, uh, dog rescuer, she put it in a crock pot and we just had chicken. It was fine. I bet that's good. I like no. crock pot. Yeah. Yeah. Crock pot is good. It works. That's all that's necessary. <laughs> And we ate, and uh, it was really funny because of all the convoluting I was going to be doing is I'm uh, house-sitting for my son. And we were thinking, well, we could go bring all the food over to my son's place and then uh, drag it all back to her place when she, we got done. And and she, she called me when I was over at Walmart and said, do you mind if we just stay here and just do it here <laughs> because she didn't want to do all the hauling and I don't blame her. She's been up early and cooking and doing all sorts How far of do they live from you? What? How far do they live from you? Your son? Uh, how does, my son? Oh, it's about a 15-minute ride. Oh, Puppy, okay. Stop it. You need to go out and bark at him and person. All right, you go out and bark at him in person. You tell him, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, it's a big truck. No wonder. It's a big, huge truck she's barking at. <laughs> Moses is delivering something. I Years don't know. Ago, I had a dog. dog house. It's Years, not a dog house. Years ago, you I had a that? dog that would run down to the grocery store down at the bottom. You could see it from my house. It wasn't that far. And that mm-hmm. stupid dog would go in the bakery store, bakery truck and steal a package of donuts. It happened well, three days in him. a row. Three <laughs> days in a row, and he'd come back with his bag of donuts. So the third day, I took him down there. I said, this is Drake. He's stealing your donuts. He said, you know, I knew I was short a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Isn't that oh, hilarious? <laughs> <laughs> they, they are tricky. They are and very the, the guy looked at me and he says, it's a good thing it's not a beer truck. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> I wonder why you'd say that. <laughs> Just the thought of that dog trying to carry a six-pack of beer up the hill. Was, you right, know, it got, right, it was right. just kind of a funny story. It was hilarious. Oh, man. But that's, that's funny. <laughs> dogs are... I've had more fun with dogs than I have with people. <laughs> well, you know. people are a problem, you know? That's why they're ostracizing us. <laughs> yeah, they can talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they answer back. What do we want them for? <laughs> Mm-mm-mm. So are you out of school for a while now, or when do you go back? Yeah, until until Monday. Well, I'm actually, my Monday class is over with. We had our finals. Mm. But I still have to do this um, 
clock, and I can't get the bloody clock. We need to have a clock that's a 12-hour clock. I have a successful 24-hour clock. So I can't do that. I have to figure out. So Cut it in half. Get... What? Cut it in half. Oh, I, I would love to do that. I've got my scissors handy. <laughs> But they, it it doesn't work that way. If oh. I get the clock done, he's going to have us not have to do a final because he figured that so many of the kids just blew it off. And I go, no, we, my partner and I have been working on it. He actually ordered seven of these rebuilt little circuit boards from China three different times and uh yeah because one i kind of ruined the first board in my learning how to solder two (laughs) i didn't solder i know (laughs) oh we have to solder this stuff i've never soldered anything in my life and so um we have uh and then one of his elements um didn't uh his um yeah elements i'm gonna say didn't work, so he had to send away for another board and got that and his work. He bought it in, and he's done a beautiful job. Now, I'm his partner, and I can just say, oh, I'll just tag along with you. But that doesn't teach me anything. Can I tell you um, something? There are 901,000 results in Google for for building a 12-hour clock. Right, but they're they are a different style, oh. and so uh, we were attempting to do the kind where we can actually see. We have to have the um, what do you call it? The um, the schematic okay. to put it in vocabulary. Yeah, schematic for the actual circuit board. And that's where I'm having my problem is my schematic. It's it's actually called a multi-sim, and it's not working the way it should. So I'm I'm wanting to spend the time this weekend to learn how to solder correctly. I've shown it to my my teacher what I've got, and he says, "Well, you do need a little more work here." Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> and my partner said, "You need a lot more work here." <laughs> so it's uh, it's a matter of my learning how to do it. You know, if you don't learn how to do it, you're never going to know. What's the so point? The point is a grade, and it's also how to have uh, know how to make your schematic and know how to make what could be useful if all stuff goes down. You can make it. Oh. So then, you know, like if it was dark 24 hours, if you had a 12-hour clock, you'd be able to tell what time it really was instead of, was it nighttime or daytime? I'm trying to figure out why you would want a 12-hour clock instead of a 24-hour clock. Well, a 12-hour is what we're used to using. And so therefore we're using a 12-hour clock. Oh, I get it. Yeah. But it it really is a 24-hour clock. But that's military time. Ah. It's noticed differentially. It's noticed 
known as military time. So uh, that's why, you know, I'm going on the premise of we've got to be able to build these things so that they work for us. So it's, uh, it's interesting. Of course, these are all out of China. All of the parts are out of China. It's very interesting how that is. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. So much for uh, anything from this country. They've taken <laughs> everything. Well, they've taken everything out of this country. That of was, course, it's um, cheaper to make overseas. That, but it's also to make us helpless. So it's important. Why are they doing it? What is the the actual purpose? Well, it is definitely a purposeful way to make people not have what they need to have. So we move on from there. That's why I'm I'm willing to learn and willing to go through. I burnt my finger with the, with the, my little finger with the um, with some of the solder. And I looked at it, and I said, gee, it doesn't hurt at all. And, oh, it's black. Well, it was solder in my finger. And <laughs> it took a oh. while for it to loosen up. Oh, it, it's oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And how you got it on your little finger is funny to me, because I, I was spilling wax all over my fingers last night. <laughs> Oh, it's it's terrible. Yeah, it was the, the little pinky that I got, and it was like, why doesn't that hurt? I wonder why. And then when it broke off, it started hurting like the blazes. So it was interesting. Do you know what I use? What? I go get that baby stuff and put it on cuts. Numbs it? Well, are you, they, well is that the... Um, Vaseline stuff? It's the stuff you put on baby's gums when they're getting teeth. So that oh, the takes teeth. the pain away. Hmm. You know? Something that's got a little Novocaine or something in it. It'll take the pain right away. Hmm. And then you could, after you've done that, put a little speck of super glue on it, and then it would heal just fine. Yes! <laughs> I love the super glue idea. Yeah. 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 I think I'd be a really good doctor if all I had was super glue and oh, yeah. rubber gloves, it's, maybe. <laughs> it's called Gorilla Glue now. Elaine has some of that. Gorilla Glue? Yeah, she glued her son's toe back together on his shoe. That's right. You can do that. Yeah. Steffi is having a hard time out there. Uh oh! I better go get her. Him, her. No, Him? no, she's she's in the house, so she's she's safe. But it's just she's just gonna tell those people, move your buns, get on with what you're doing, and she's a straw boss. What do you want? Yep, she needs to be. Uh, she doesn't do well in crowds. She needs to be off somewhere all by herself with you. No people anywhere in sight. Oh, that'd drive her crazy. She loves people. Oh, she does. She does oh, she just loves people. But they aren't she nice to her, terrible. right, your neighbors? Well, my neighbors are not nice to dogs anyhow. They just don't like dogs, and that's that they have them. For what reason, I don't know. I heard you, you guys... have to go on with life. 
Mm-hmm. I heard the name. What, what were you saying? I'll say that again. Oh, I said I heard my name. <clears throat> what were you saying? Oh, I was saying that you used Gorilla Glue to, to glue your son's shoes back together. Because somebody brought up the, the term Gorilla Glue. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 You're still sleeping. You're cool. not feeling good, I can tell. Well, you know, I, it's uh, pretty yucky. I haven't been sick in forever. I can't figure out where I might have got this from unless it could have been from Ray who kisses me when he's sick. Well, he was kissing the phone, too, and I was sick all last week from him kissing me on the phone, so it's all Ray's fault. It's transferred <laughs> over. <laughs> yeah, I think I even have what you have, Patty, because I seem to have the same symptoms. Like the Probably uh, <laughs> head. Yeah. I know how I got mine. Bruce and I stopped at the casino on our way home from Idaho. <laughs> I didn't even think about it, you know. Look how many germs there are in a place like that. Where, where, where in Idaho is, uh, do they have the gambling place? Oh, we have one right here in Spokane, too. Um, it's about 30 miles from here in um, Coeur d'Alene Casino. Yeah, it's all about the decadence. That's what they want to have you all do. Well, we um, went and bought uh, cigarettes, went in and played for four hours and walked out with the same amount of money we walked in with, which I oh, felt good, good about you. that. But I won $200 one time, and then we started playing it back, you know. <laughs> but we had yeah. fun. And to walk out with what you went in with, that's good. That's very good. And see, I'm not a, I used to go to that. I got so addicted when they first opened those clubs out here 10 oh, or 12 yeah. years ago. But now I don't even want to go, you know? I don't like the crowds. Well, that was the purpose, was to get you addicted so that mm-hmm. you would do more of that. Yeah. that. That's the whole purpose is to drive everybody into the decadence of gambling and then you start Stealing to make your money to cover your debt. I mean, it's yep. all a vicious circle. You know, that's been a big problem in Spokane with the gambling. Oh yeah. With with normal secretaries taking money from their bosses and stuff because they get into a gambling habit. That's exactly the point. That's the point. And that's what their purpose was. And then they bring in all these drugs for our kids to use. Mm -hmm. I mean, my God. (laughs) Get me off this planet. That's their M.O. Yeah. And uh, when you see it and you recognize it for what it is, (laughs) that's when you have to take the, the bull by the horn and say, no more. No more. This is not the way we need to I'll do this. Don't get me a chainsaw. I'm just going to cut off the bull's horns. <laughs> I'm not going to grab him. I'm just going to chop his horns right off. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Before Billy Bob came in the other day and he'd gotten a re- uh, blackberry branch around his leg. And it was like six foot long. And it was stuck on his paw. 
and I had to try to get that off of him. It was terrible. Oh yeah, those are those can be so hurtful. Mhm. Mhm. I thought, well, this is a crown of thorns on your foot. Yeah. 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 But he had a lot of hair on his foot, so it just got stuck. It didn't really get into his skin, thank God. But still, it's still harmful for what Mm -hmm. it does. And seeing the dog run in with this long piece of green stuff coming off the back of him was kind of, what? I didn't have my glasses on. Mornings are quite exciting sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, damn. Well, I was kind of going to gear this program to our being thankful. What can we be thankful for, for what we've gone through this year? There's so much that has gone on that uh, perhaps it might uh, be good for us to look at what is it we can be thankful for, because this is the week of being thankful mm-hmm. and how we can better turn it to our advantage. Go ahead. You were going to say something, uh, Elaine? Hi. What am I grateful for? Uh, wow. Deep <laughs> 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 questions. I mean, a lot of people just say the, the simple. I'm thankful for my family and the people I love. Um, and that would probably normally be the I'm thankful for. But you know, last night when Ray and I had dinner and we don't do this every every dinner together but we say a little prayer before dinner. Mm. And, uh, and so I was telling uh talking with Bob and I was thinking, you know, I'm thankful for everything about my life. I'm thankful for the good and the bad. And everything about it, because it is, it makes me more and more and more connected to who I am and anchored. And it strengthens me. And I think that if I had to look at our world today and think about what I need personally to make it in this life, um, I am, I would have to say I'm thankful for my strength and the strength the strength that I have it has been learned through hardships in living. So it all boiled down to it, our little thing last night, uh, you know, thank you for everything that I've experienced. But most importantly, thank you for being with me and always taking care of me. Thank you for being there. And then after I said that, because I know God has always watched over me, but after I said that, I thought of Ray and how he must be thinking the same thing about me. You know, thank you for being there, Mom. Thank you for being there when, when you know, I'm having a breakdown, falling apart, and, you know, pinching and kicking and biting and screaming and breaking and thank you for being there, Mom, you know. And uh, and then I have to think about our society. I mean, look at what we're doing to ourselves. I get pissed at my son because he breaks things on purpose. Or really, I get so mad at him when he hurts himself. 
just insanely mad. I hate it. Mm -hmm. I I don't, but I don't act out on it, but I'm just saying this is the way I feel. But, you know, uh, I have to think about then after our little prayer, I had to think about the world and how God must see us and how we're destroying ourselves and we're breaking our our life and our environment and everything about it. And how, you know, you must love us and yet, man, boy, we're just being stupid all over the place. Mm-hmm. So God must really love us a lot mm-hmm. because he stands with us even when we're most insane and it's still there loving. So I'm thankful for love and darn it, there's just not enough of it in the world. Amen. And I'm Amen. thankful for the love I get from you because yesterday, I'm going to tell a cute little story. Yesterday they went shopping and she said to me, she said, Patty, I thought I packed away all of his shorts. No, Ray found a pair of shorts. So he's wearing a pair of shorts with a long see-through raincoat to go shopping with Elaine <laughs> in the wintertime. <laughs> and I just got such a kick out of just watching him in my in my head and of course there were uh, there's always a couple people that are nasty to her about stuff like that but just that he could have the freedom to just go in his see-through raincoat with shorts on I go well when I come to see you this spring I'm getting a see-through raincoat and shorts (laughs) (laughs) and you know that's totally okay yeah. Well, it's totally okay. And she's in Taos, New Mexico. Most of those people in Taos are children of rich people and are drug addicts or gay or weirdos anyway. So she fits right in. I don't mean that wrong, Elaine, okay? <laughs> but, but, you know, she's got some very strange neighbors and stuff. I just don't know. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a weird town, you know? Everybody says, um, you know, Talos is hard. Everybody comes with preconceived ideas about what it is to live in Talos. But it's very hard. It's a hard place. And it's a hard place for spiritual reasons. I mean, you can feel it. And I think that's because of the the history. This is a haunted land. I was talking to some guy and he said he has a friend that's a priest and the priest feels like he just, when he walks down the Taos Plaza, he feels like he just needs to pray all the whole time for everybody in the whole state because there's such negative energy. And he feels it. And I think that what the problem is, the negative energy, there's such a clash here. There's the 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 Pueblo and the Indians and their historical, you know, fact of of uh the wars and everything related to their land being taken. And then there's the the wealthy, rich people. Who knows why they came to live here? Um, you know, most rich people like to live in affluent places, you know, like Manhattan or, you know, Lake Tahoe where it's all beautiful. Or L.A., you know, where there's lots of things. But 
the the people that are out here that are wealthy are um there's there's like two classes the retired unhappies uh and then there's the the wealthy struggling and I don't know it's weird there's such a clash between the high end and the low end here, and right smack dab in the middle is the poor white hippie, you know. And uh, it's just a real difficult area. So I went into this metaphysical store and and I said, man, this place is really tough. He said, yeah, it is really tough. Um, you just have to get to a point in Tahoe where you see who it is you need to separate yourself from and who it is that you need to be close with. Because there's a lot of things that you're going to want to separate yourself from out here. So that's pretty much the way it is. It's it's beautiful. I didn't come here for the people, so I can I can ride through it. <laughs> yep. And that's a very good point. What you're saying, you didn't come for the people. You came for the family, and that uh, there's a whole healing for you through that whole mechanism. Yeah, and yesterday or the morning before, I can't remember what, she's talking to me on the phone and she goes, oh my, there goes a balloon. So people take off in balloons in New Mexico. I think that's cool. Oh, that's the <laughs> hot air balloons. Yeah, they yeah. have that in California. They're wonderful. Oh, yeah. They're wonderful. The air currents carry them. I mean, that's a whole, whole wonderful thing. That's what I've talked about here. Mm-hmm. Is being in the hot air balloon and what a what a difference it is to be above the ground in such an altitude. You've done it. Oh, oh yeah, we did it out in um, in Palm Springs. Oh wow, <coughs> neat. Yeah, yeah, and the the balloon we were in decided not to keep its fire going, which is quite disastrous <laughs> if you're up in the air. So. Uh, we had to do some skirting around, as the saying goes, and um, he was able to land in a field, and and the owner, fortunately, was on our balloon, so we were able to have, we had real good care, and he got mm-hmm. us down safely. Now, you got a picture that the the flame goes on and off as you rise in altitude. And as he, we were rising in altitude and then it was extinguishing, was a, a little bit of a scare for these tall guys. These guys were, the fellow who I was on the balloon with was six foot four, five, and his hair was real close to that fire. Oh, I'd have been sitting on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, yeah, and uh, so when it was starting to have this little problem, and uh, the poor owner was going, I just had this repaired yesterday. I don't know what's wrong. Oh, and Jesus, he did that's all you need out. to hear. <laughs> yeah, and he, he did figure it out. They had the valve switched, and then once he, he got that straightened out, it was uh, we had a great ride. It was great. I love stuff like that. So it was The great. only thing close to that I ever did was when I was... In my 20s, I got nerve enough to go up in an airplane, a pontoon, with a drunk pilot over at Coeur d'Alene Lake. 
And this dude was really drunk. I didn't know he was drunk until we got up in the air. And I'm going, uh, I'm going, oh, my freaking God. What yeah. is going to happen here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to have some guy, who, we used to have speakers, and one of the speakers was a former airline pilot. Well, he was uh, actually in the Air Force. Uh-huh. And uh, he was um, he was coming in to land, and uh, he well, let's rephrase it. He was in a blackout. Oh no! And he, yeah, and he was coming. He was flying, and he's going. What way am I going? Am I taking off, or am I landing? And so we had to look at his. Uh, his uh, gas gauge to see what gas it was. He said it's near it's near uh, zero, so I must be coming in. So he did a landing oh, on the air on the carrier. Oh my but god! But it was the right thing to do. But he had just come out of his blackout. Jesus. Just come out of his blackout. I mean, he's like, holy cow! <laughs> so yeah, there, there's there's. There's those insanities, and and you don't know. You know, know and back in those days, back in the early 1900s, late 1800s, there were lots of drunks. Downtown Spokane has a um, a network where they ran booze, you know? Yeah. And up until about 10, 15 years ago, a lot of people were drunks. Bruce's dad worked at the dam. He drank every day. Even at work, you know? Yeah. Well, see, and that's part of why OSHA got started. OSHA is, or of course, I said it wrong in my test. I said it was the office of it. It's the, the actual um, organization for safety and health. Right. Because so many people got killed on the job because of the drunkenness, of the other things that were going on around them. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, that was their way of of saving people's lives was to be able to uh, to have them um, have the protection of this stuff. The amount, number of people, well, our teacher brought up the one story that I knew well, which was the jungle which was about Sinclair Lewis's story of the constant uh, horrible stuff in the meatpacking industry. How many people's bodies were in your meat? You didn't know because they died and nobody rescued them. You couldn't. They were in a vat of, of, um, of lime or whatever else was to kill the skin off of the animal. Oh, it was it was a horrible thing. So, oh, God. yep, yep, yep. Not a fun thing going on. So, yeah, I don't want to be a farmer. Not a, I don't want to raise animals. Well, that yeah. Well, see, that's part of what was going on. They were. Yeah. And they didn't care that what they sent to the First World War. They sent this contaminated meat and all the other crap that the soldiers had dysentery and all the other stuff that went with contaminated meat. 
and it got revealed and it got shown for what it was. So more was kept being revealed and they got sued and all sorts of things happened, but a little too late for those that died. Yep, just father. I thought I'm a minority for Thanksgiving because I was telling Patty the other day that I, uh, yeah, I better try to put on a little bit of weight because I weighed 97 pounds. Uh, and so I said, oh, I'm going to really eat, eat, eat for Thanksgiving. So this morning I weighed 98.8. All right. <laughs> I didn't realize she was as tall as she is. We're not going to discuss that. But uh, I weighed 82 pounds most of my life until I went to jail one time and I got up to 130 pounds. And you guys, I I can remember getting out of jail and I lived upstairs at Hope House. And for the first week or two, I would just keep running up and down the stairs and everybody would go, what the hell is she doing? And they'd go, oh yeah, her boobs bounce now. (laughs) I've never had my boobs bounce. This is just unbelievable. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. I've always been crazy. It works. It makes mm-hmm. it functional. Yep. Sometimes that's all we can be. Is but functional. I didn't like being that heavy. To me, it was too heavy. Yeah, yeah. I I understand that. I used to, if I found I am feeling uncomfortable or something like that, I would just skip a meal, and I'd lose it all. I wasn't even going to have dinner last night. I said, Bruce went to visit his friends, and they were having turkey dinner, and they sent me home a plate of turkey dinner, so that was kind of nice. Good, good. Yeah. That helped. Mm-hmm. There you go. Although it, know, had, it had green beans in it, you guys. It had green beans. Oh, oh, ick, oh, ick. What's wrong with that? I don't like green beans. Oh. Put them on the side. When I was, Put them on the when side. I was 17, I uh, moved from Houston, Texas, to back to California. And I had worked at a Taco Bell saving money with tacos in Houston, California. So I was so alone. And um, then I, I started eating for comfort. And I ended up going... I was, uh, I think I was about five, five, then, and I ended up going uh, up to 145 pounds. Wow. I was eating comfort. I'd never weighed that much in my life. And then I found that um, my family was nearby, and I hadn't known that, and I hadn't seen them for so long. And I went to see them, and all they did is make fun of me for being fat. And I wasn't obese, but I was fat. I was I was overweight. But that impacted me so much that I went the just the other way and started losing, 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 losing until I got down so thin that I ended up in the hospital with malnutrition. Mm-hmm. So I... Uh, but that was a good lesson for me because I had no 
nutrition teaching or training. Yeah. And and I needed that. I needed to know. And so when I had to, you know, intellectually control my weight, you know, through discipline and study and learning what it was and why it was I was gaining the weight I was, uh, it, it was my first lesson in self-control. And most people have to have self-control for, you know, their behavior. And I guess it is behavior in that way. But... I mean, for their emotional behavior. But I had to learn how to control everything. It was, I had never had the experience. How do I control finances? How do I control my diet? How do I control my schedule? I was going to college and working two jobs. And how do I control all this? I had never had to deal with any of that before. So uh, I'm so proud of all the lessons that I've learned. And and I can see like it was because my family made such you know hideous fun of me for being fat you know that mm-hmm. that a lot of people would say oh that's really mean but actually I I really think it was just what I needed at just the right time and uh, yeah so I don't I don't worry about it but you can take your body weight here's how I lost weight. You can take your body weight times 12 if you're a, like a moderately active kind of sedentary person. And then that gives you how many calories that you need to maintain whatever weight you're at. And then if you want to lose a pound a day, or I'm sorry, a pound a week, um, you, you cut 500 from that number. So I went out and bought a little pocket calorie counter and took my weight of 140, I think it's the heaviest I got, was 145. And when I was pregnant with Ray in my last trimester, uh, I was 148. So the heaviest I got was 145. And by using that, that method, though, I, I actually was turning it into fun because it was like uh, eating food and being disciplined about it was fun. Acting out my own self-control was fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, all of those lessons are, are good lessons. I don't know how other people learn those lessons uh, when they have someone to help them through. Sometimes I think the lessons I've learned, because I've had to learn them on my own as my own teacher, I wonder if they're up to par with everybody else's, but they're up to par with me. So I haven't had a weight problem since then. <laughs> and that's and that's what's the the point that you had to learn that you really don't have a weight problem. You have a manipulation problem, and that was good. You learned yeah. to stop being manipulated, and you started being a cause over who you are. And that's excellent. That's excellent. You see how that's a great thing to be. Uh, have value in what you've done mm-hmm. for yourself. Yeah. By yourself. That's that's excellent. Mm-mm-mm. And it's so cool because I had just the opposite problem. My family was big. I'll bet you my sister weighs 300 pounds right now. I mean, they were all big. My mother wasn't. But the rest of the family was. 
And they ridiculed me for being so little, you know. So, yeah, yeah. But I'd rather be what I am now than have all that flab hanging around, (laughs) you know. Well, that's the, the value of all of what you're doing because so much of what happens to all of us is the misappropriate um, action for what others are trying to get you to do. And I you have know. seen our bodies go from what they used to look like 50 years ago to what they mm-hmm. look like now, and there is a oh. big difference. I Absolutely. mean, heavy people are 100 or 200 pounds heavier than they were 50 years ago. And the, the proportions of of the meals and stuff. Now, I look at well, a look plate at of food that Bruce brought me home, that plate of food, and I looked down at it and I said, this would have fed my whole family for Thanksgiving yeah. when I was a kid, you know. Well, when my son had his fitness center, what we used to teach people was the fact, oh, I think this thing is going to die, um, this headset. What we used to teach people was get smaller plates because <laughs> the plates have been enlarged so that you are actually eating more than you need to eat for the sake of the obesity rendition they wanted everybody to have. Is that and really the food what isn't nutritious about? anymore like it used it to be. It wasn't nutritious. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And because it wasn't nutritious, it created the obesity, which is now, get this, a disease. It is a disease. Give me a break. It is not a disease. It is a purposeful flaunting of people's uh, inability to have good nutritional food. And that's really what's going on. They don't want you to be healthy. I mean, that's, I told you that story about my uh, granddaughter wanting to count the uh, heavyset people. And I said, well, um, Maybe it might be wiser if you counted the skinny people because you will find it's easier to keep track of those numbers. Because there were more more heavy set people than what there were skinny people. Mm-hmm. And she did, didn't realize that. And it's it's really been a purposeful thing to be gluttonous purposeful and you have to look at every one of these achievements that they've done because damn tootin' people when this hit shit hits the fan those are the first people that are going to be screaming where's my food because they don't know how to discipline themselves over their food and that's now I was talking with Patty I was talking you were to talking Patty. Patty what? I missed something. I was talking with Patty about um Rotharians yesterday. And there's yeah. and about how when we pass out of the physical body where we we shell into our spiritual being, our ethereal being. 
and um and a lot of souls it's just like being born again, you know, like coming through the birth canal of this and spirituality into who you really are, your ethereal being. And we were talking about um in this book Olaspe there is uh, a story about how there are some angels that are trying to help the new Ethereans that have just passed through physicality into spirituality. And they they can't physically eat physical food because flesh and blood can't enter the kingdom of heaven, so to speak. But they still mm-hmm. have those desires and they don't want to or are not aware that they've actually passed out of the physical existence. So they want to eat and these angels, uh, guardians would say, well, if we don't feed them, what they do is they go and basically possess a human uh, so that they can be inside their bodies feeling the same pleasures that they were feeling in the physical life. And so the angels were saying we can't keep them from going back to the physical so that they can attach themselves to the people and enjoy eating the physical things or enjoying the physical pleasures. And um, so the angels were saying, what do we do? And and so God says, go down to the, the people on the earth and just as they are about to eat their meal, for instance, their fish, when the essence thereof rises up, take that essence to the people. So what the essence is, everything in life, because of the atomic energy within it, and the, the thing that drives the atomic energy that creates the physical organic in the atom form is the energy of the movement of the atoms and the neutrons uh, hitting together. And so it's the energy, it's the essence of things that makes that is what we use to identify what things really are. So, for instance, alcohol, I can drink... I can drink alcohol and I know what it is, or food, I can eat it, I know what it is, or sex, whatever. I know what it is. I can have pleasure in it. So everything, there is an essence that is released through the process of life, through movement. And so these these people were had to learn how to not only... You know, I mean, it's hard enough we have to learn how to control our physicality, but then when we transform into ethereal beings, into what we really are, spiritual beings. We have to learn all over again, all those same lessons. Except that we don't have, because we have an eternity, we don't have a lot of time to wait because eternity is a valuable thing. And so we've got to be able to conquer all these little petty challenges so we can fulfill our destiny in the in the eternal so I think that we go through a lot of these challenges and hardships in life so that when we get on the next level, we don't spend so much time in school. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Because so, so much time is wasted in school if we have lost our direction. So that's very good point. Very good point. I've never mm-hmm. been able to summarize like like you do. <laughs> what? I've never been able to 
put everything in a nutshell the way you do. I guess I'm a little too wordy. <laughs> well, it, 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 I used to be the same way. But what I had to learn was in this, uh, uh, where was it? Oh, it was on, uh, on um, what do you call it, on um, Neosync. When we were doing the radio shows, we were attempting to rewrite a lot of the bogus stuff that was out here. And what we did was had to see, read the materials and then try and transcribe them into usability for the people to really understand what was being done to us. And it was a, a great training to actually get past my barriers of being wordy. We had to be succinct, and we had to uh, really define things in a way that other people could get it. And it was it was just a training. That's all it was. It was training. And I know you're you're brilliant enough to be able to do that. So it's uh, it's a, it's a fine tooth training, as you want, if you want to put it that way. <laughs> But there's also a quality to it of you're assertive, you're not aggressive when you when you're like that, Patricia. And I tend to I've noticed in me, I hate I mean I don't hate, but I really dislike having to sit through two pages of something somebody's saying to me just to hear the sentence they really want to say. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cut, get to the point, you know. You've led me down 16 different paths. Now I'm not sure where I'm going. And what are you really trying to say? (laughs) See, see, Patty, you've you've just defined why quantum is so good that Donaldson is bringing up. In quantum, uh, David Wynn Miller explained that circuitous speaking that the legal field, the politicians, or our political, um, what, what do we say, logic, political logic gate, uh, was uh, they flip and flop back and forth. You never really know what they're saying. Right. And that's the point, purposeful point. But do they know they're doing this? <laughs> they, they don't anymore. That's a part that I never got, you know, from the time I was two. I'm going, are you seriously lying to yourselves? You know, I I mean, I can't say I was thinking it that clearly then, but I was seeing things, you know, I was watching Leave it to Beaver, and it wasn't quite that way at our dinner table. Every once in a while, my mother was a bitch and my dad was a bastard. That's about the only two words they used with each other. You know, and we'd just be sitting there going, and my, and then my mom would look at me, and it, she'd always go, and it's all your fault. You're the one that causes this. <laughs> and I'd go, well, what do I do? And she said, you come up with six different solutions instead of the right one. <laughs> I said, oh, okay, I'm the class clown. 
Well, see, right away, isn't that interesting how she passed the buck on you? Uh-huh. And what is really interesting is the fact that at your early age, you saw through all of the BS. And because you saw through the BS, they couldn't really knock you because you were already seeing through the BS. And, and that's incredible for a kid. Absolutely incredible. Because when you can see that clear and be able to say, that's BS. The adults did not like it. And and especially if your dad's a teacher, <laughs> it doesn't Correct. go well. That's even worse because you just showed him up for being what he was—a total asshole. And with being a total asshole, you know, there's no place to go when you've got that whole stuff full of all the crap that he's been teaching. But and, he did have a saving grace. The way he saved his face to me was to say to me, you know, I really wanted to be a lawyer, but that was so much worse than being a teacher. I settled to be a teacher. And I said, well, you're all liars, so what's the difference? He said, I did not have the killer instinct. You know, yeah. that's why I could never spank you, Patty. I'd have to chase you in your room and you'd pretend I was spanking you. <laughs> oh, there you go. So this is, see, this is, my father didn't have that killer instinct either. He hated being a lawyer. Absolutely hated being a lawyer. He wanted to be an engineer. It was more intellectual uh, stimulating. It was much more. Um, viable. It was just so many more things that um, were real. Yeah, for real. And and the kid, you know, when you're told you have to do this, you obey the man who's paying your bills. You know, that was where he was cooked. He had no no way of getting her out of it. Order followers. What? We've all grown up to be order followers. And that's exactly the premise. Yeah. See, my grandfather, when you really get down to it, with all the stuff that I've been learning, he actually, he was a Mason. Oh. He was a Mason. And because of that, and but he was in the Catholic Church side of it where it looked really good because he was a... Um, Peter Mason. Uh, Knights of Columbus, so it was really a good thing. Type oh, I remember the Knights of Columbus. And the, what were the women called? Uh, they they had another name. Colin, yeah. do you remember what the women were called? They they, they had a different yeah. name. Yeah. Huh. Uh, it's, um, it's really... My poor dog is having so much problem because they're they're doing all sorts of stuff out here. Aww. But uh, well, put him in the bathtub. Put him in the bathtub. Yeah. Just put a bed in there and put him in the bathtub and 
Say, just be quiet, sweetheart. No, I'm just teasing you. He needs his own little special place to go to chill out. Well, he's he's the guard dog. So. Is he the one that's blind? No, no, no. Peppy's my young dog. She's the oh. one who tells us all who's coming and going. Okay, okay. And the other one can't he's, see. He's, yeah, they're they're sleeping. Both Simon and uh, and uh, Jake are sleeping there. They're doing their dog old dog thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the old dogs. Yeah. You know, Maybe I was thinking when that mm-hmm. when I when I first started into me, I think I I was doing I was talking a long a long tail. <laughs> In other words, um, putting the description before the topic, and uh, and I know I bet you I was listening to Patty. I bet you people are thinking, all right, what are you trying to say? Just get to the subject. But uh, and then I and then I had to think about um, Jesus always spoke in parables, mm-hmm. always right. in story form. He and then in, in the conclusion, like in the conclusion of a good book, he gets to the point. Uh, so you have to wonder why some of the things that the topics, when you see the expanse of things, then you don't just see the pinpoint. I mean, it's difficult to explain how one thing impacts another when you can't explain the panoramic view of it, you know. And so I think that when I do that, um, it's like uh, I think it might be that, you know, maybe they won't understand. Maybe it won't make the full impact because they don't really understand the full perspective. But now I've grown up. Now it doesn't matter. They can think what they want, and I'm not their teacher. But I bet you that's why Jesus, because if you sit down and say, for instance, if I said, gravity is a wonderful thing. What goes up must come down. Uh, It's not going to make that big of an impact. You're going to get some basic knowledge. But if I say, wow, do you know that we just determined that the force of gravity is what causes the uh, ability for gravity to force things into directional paths, that goes into a whole big longer subject. And if you go into that, talking about, you know, a board, uh, circular currents and spiral currents, and I mean, you can get a big pr- uh, picture of the black hole and about the universe and about so many other things. And I just don't think that a lot of people are intellectually up for that, you know? Mm-hmm. They want to learn in a, a quick fix, you know. And, and that's, that's actually been what's been taught to us. The quick satisfaction, remember, immediate gratification syndrome. Right. right. Yeah. And that's that's what, what we've been geared to have type thing. Yeah, and, and that's... that's they talk about the the dross, removing the dross from the gold. Well, there's still a heck of a lot of gold there in that dross. So sometimes, oh. when, sometimes when we're just scraping the surface, all we're getting is the dross. So just think of the full value of what created that. You know, so I think that for me, looking deeper and expanding the viewpoint is, is is most important to see the value of whatever it is you might be talking about. But people don't like to listen 
to me with long stories and talking. And so I just quit trying. I mean, I don't feel bad about it, but I just I just quit trying. It's not worth it. I mean, if you're not able or ready to hear, what's the point? Right? Right. And, you, and when you're working with brand new people and opinionated people, it's like being a waitress. You always get that one customer, a shift, that is a giant pain in the butt. And the same thing with going on some of the phone calls I go on. I'm happy as can be, but then somebody will start in on some stuff, and you're just going, oh, God, here we go again. <laughs> you know, and it's a matter of learning what you need for yourself, you know. And there are too many people still trying to say, hey, uh, I'm God, I'm in charge, do what I tell you to do. <laughs> Do as I say, not as I do. I remember that coming out of my mother's mouth all the time. Oh, oh, mine too. Children are seen and not heard. Go to the basement. <laughs> yeah. We were sent to the basement to play in the basement so we could whoop and holler down there. But it's it's the point of children are seen and not heard. And and that and that and yet when you look at the, the attitudes, I think that's what they're called. It is from the mouths of children that you learn. Yeah. Yeah. Out of the mouths of babes, or whatever the expression is. I couldn't people. believe it that day. Faith came home. And granted, all he'd done for four hours was pound nails into a pumpkin. So he had no exercise whatsoever. And he'd just gotten up from his nap. And she comes in and he turns into Mr. Monster. And he looks at me and he even changed his voice. And he goes, I want my water balloons right now. And I looked at him and I looked at her and I go, He's three years old. She goes, yeah. I said, where's he getting this? And she goes, my dad said I was even worse. I said, oh, my God. He's so good for me until you come home. <laughs> oh, that's what my babysitters used to say. They're the nicest little kids when you're not around. <laughs> but, see, they think they can get away with things with you. Mm-hmm. With her, the mama, you know. And I'd already told him no on the water balloons when I'd first gotten there. And now it was the end of the day, and he still hadn't got his water balloons. I hit him. <laughs> and I told her, I said, now, you get me a pump to pump them up with air, and we'll blow up water balloons, and I will blow up balloons and have air balloons in the house. I'll go for that, but I'm not doing this water balloon in the winter. She yeah, goes, oh, that's a good idea. I said, yeah, okay, good. But I'm not blowing them up all by myself. That won't work <laughs> for very long. You know how hard those things are to blow. Oh, I used to be a clown. We had to pump. We had to pump them up. Yeah. I couldn't have blown that stuff. They would have had to fix me up after the first pump. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never make a good wolf. <laughs> <laughs> So I've got a I've got a little secret of something I can read you. I hate that I use that word secret. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, it's it's about how we look at our lives. 
it's hard to call it. The secrets of the millionaire mind, okay? Even that, I... But really, uh, it's like about a little bit. It says much of what separates wealthy people from average people is mental. Rich people simply think, act, and make choices differently than the rest of us. The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, author uh, T. Harvey Ecker, identified oh, yeah. a, a seemingly harmless daily habit that average people engage in that the rich people refuse to, and that is complaining. Complaining is the absolute worst possible thing you can do for your health or your wealth. When you complain, you're focusing on what's wrong with your life. And what you focus on tends to expand. Like attracts like, the self-made millionaire writes. When you're complaining, you're actually attracting crap into your life. This leaves very little room for growth, particularly financial growth. A fact often overlooked or dismissed as elitist is that your friendships and relationships could also have a major impact on your financial success. Keith Steibold, the self-made billionaire who interviewed over 1,200 rich people, found that the wealthy are deliberate about choosing their friends. Hear that? The wealthy are deliberate about choosing their friends. And their choices have implications for their success and their net worth. Eckler makes a similar point about negativity. Separating yourself from other complainers is just as important as resisting the urge to complain Personally, he emphasizes, negative energy is infectious. Plenty of people have left to hang out and listen to complainers. Why is that? It's simple. They're waiting for their turn to chime in. It's an easy cycle of falling through to fall into but a possibility. If you're a financial, in a financial rut or looking to grow your wealth, stop complaining out loud and in your head and help yourself out by surrounding yourself with an upbeat and successful crowd. Remember, remind yourself that you are creating your life and every moment will be attracting either success or crap. It is imperative that you choose your thoughts wisely. I am so glad I read that. That's what I've been saying forever. And I remember when I was uh, at one point a victim of a really violent time. That was one of the best hard lessons I've learned because I could not shake the uh, feeling of hopelessness and futility in life. And it was because I kept having flashbacks of a violent crime. And I had always thought, well, I'll be a positive person and I'm a striver and a go-getter and all that. But I had these underpinning uh, flashbacks of negativity, of the the awfulness of it. And so because of that, I was creating the negative impact through the energy source. It was an aura around me that was quenching the aura of light. And so I was sitting one day and I was talking with this man who was a nurse and and I I had opened up with him and uh, and he said, you know, Elaine, he said, you have every right to feel negative and to express what you're expressing. But 
He says, as long as you continue to express those things, you're going to continue to be impacted by them and the proximity they are to your life because you're holding on to the strings of your negativity. And I said, well, okay, what do I do about it? And he said, well, the first thing you have to do is recondition your mind. Your thoughts are subconscious. And so when you're thinking your negative thoughts, there's an underlying subconscious thought that's triggering that negativity. And in some cases, depending on the person, your individual, your subconscious mind will create a a picture. You may have flashbacks of a stabbing or a shooting or a beating or whatever. And And that generates or creates a energy. And that energy is negativity. And so that envelopes you. And it starts at the root of your subconscious mind. And so, yes, you have every right to feel the way you do because of what has happened. But now you need to go a step deeper and learn to recondition your mind. And so I said, well, how do I do that? And so he says, every time a negative thought comes in your mind, say out loud, and eventually you won't have to, but say out loud and see it like a billboard, a neon billboard going across your mind, cancel the word cancel in big capital letters. And immediately after you see the word cancel, imagine a picture of something in your life that is pleasurable to you that makes you happy. And so I started scrolling through my hall of memories and I couldn't find anything. I kept bumping into these open door nightmares. And I said, I can't find anything. And he said, think, think, think. So I had to go way back to my childhood. And when I was a little girl, uh, all by myself, I used to love to fly kites. And so I said, okay, I've got one. And he said, so after you see the word cancel, imagine yourself doing something that gives you great pleasure and joy. So as soon as these flashbacks would come, and then I'd be consumed by the anxiety and the negativity and the futility and sense of hopelessness, I would see this big yellow neon cancel, cancel, going across my mind. And then immediately after that, I was on a green hill flying a kite and eating a vanilla ice cream. (laughs) And because that was triggering such a positive uh, memory, it's all about the memory. So because it was creating, it came from such a positive core memory, it had more strength than the negativity because that's the natural way that our life should be. And so after a short amount of time, I was able just to get rid of post-traumatic stress. And uh, it was like after, uh, I'd say, uh, I mean, I was able to get rid of the sense of futility within three weeks. And I was no longer... Uh, you know, uh, like freaking out when the leaves blow, blew by or totally disconnected to myself. Uh, I wasn't able to get rid of the flashbacks uh, for a couple of years, but I was no longer a victim of the emotionality of the negativity that the subconscious event, the memory core had brought. So that's what I mean. You know, we need to, you know, for me, I... I I have to separate myself from negativity, but before I do, I'll be knocking at the door, you know, and hey, let's open this door and go down this hall and let's get away from that 
dark negativity. And let's see how we can open up a new door and a new way of looking at life. And uh, I've had I've lost a lot of friends because of that, or what I hoped would be friends, because just like in this article, they they're waiting for their turn to chime in on complaining. And that's because that's the dominant energy force in our world today. And it's evil. It's a, it's a negative energy, evil impact. And we as godlike beings have the ability to override that, but we don't know how. And we take so much pleasure and comfort in the negativity because it's how we've learned to express ourselves. And Excellent. so it's, it's become our identity. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, you know, it's, even when that I moved down here, I'm Go ahead. Well, when I moved, when I moved out here, uh, I I came out here because to get my mom out of her nursing home, and I, I knew she was going to die if I didn't. And um, and and I and I knew people were telling me, "Oh, you're making a big mistake. I mean, you're selling your home, you're uprooting your whole life, and now you're moving out there." And yeah, you know, I wasn't moving uh, closer to a higher conscious group of people in my family, but I was I was. It wasn't what I, I wasn't looking at, okay, this is my house, this is my life here. I was looking at the real life that I have, the opportunity to come to someone's aid, to be helpful, to add meaning to another person's life. And I knew that there was a 50-50 chance that I was going to get screwed over and hurt and rejected. But for me, I had to take that chance. Because the value of sustaining my mom's life and hopefully impacting those around me with the love that I had to offer meant more than the drudgery that I was living in. And, uh, you know, so sometimes you just have to look at your life as not all the concrete material things that are around you, but realize your life itself is really what's inside you and what you're doing with it and how you're trying to influence others towards having happy and prosperous lives. That's a great point. Excellent point. Very well said. Because most people miss the point for what you were saying. They dwell on the negative because the negative is easier to stay in. As you know, it takes more muscles to smile than it does to frown. The proven fact. So when you're frowning, you're not using any muscles, so you're not using any challenge, you're not using any type of energy to really make your life different. When you were going through and trying to and attempting to find a pleasurable moment. And most of us who have had dysfunctional houses and families, it takes a lot of work to find that pleasurable thing. That's why many of us have said, I have a family of choice, not the family I was born into. Because you get people that are more like you and like you and love you than you'll find in what you've had to go through to become the real strong, independent, clear-thinking, valuable human that you are. And that takes a lot of, and I'm, pardon, my, pardon me, Colin, but it takes a lot of balls. 
for us to do that, and you've done an excellent job because leaving California with all of the actual help you could get for special needs, child and environment. I mean, it's the same thing with my son in Illinois. He's so set up that I would never want to take him out of Illinois because he would lose absolutely everything. And that isn't fair to him. So what? when you're looking at... Go ahead. A lot of people, I just have to... See, a lot of people, those that choose to be critical and of me will say, well, she's being selfish, you know, and she's moved her son or disabled son away from all of those things. Well, let me remind you, uh, just before I left California, I mean, this this just touches on the nerve. Um, Right before I left California, I read a huge article about a family who was 70-something years old, and they had a 30-year-old autistic adult. And that boy was more severe than Ray, but not, not aggressive like Ray can get. And, mm-hmm. um, and so what had happened is uh, this family put their life savings into buying uh, a, a residential facility for their son to live. Mm-hmm. And and then their son, who's nonverbal, when they would come over, would start cowering, falling on the ground, covering his head, acting afraid. And so they put hidden cameras up there, right? And what mm-hmm. they found, and they showed this on the video, that the inexperienced, ignorant uh, care providers were kicking their son in the face, whipping oh. him with chains making him sit on the toilet all day, uh, one, oh. at one point put a gun to his head and, and tried to pistol with him. So, oh, boy, mm-hmm. those are wonderful services out there. And, and then I think about the time that I sat in a, in a uh, high-rise building sitting before a medical board of doctors in suits and white coats saying, hey, there's nothing wrong with my son and I'm not getting anybody to care for him and I've been screaming this for four years and then finally they, they check into it and say, oh my God, oops, your son has scoliosis and typhosis, but darn it, he's too old enough for corrective, he's too old now for corrective surgery, so darn it, his fuse is going to find and it's going to lead to his eventual early death. Well, darn it, heck, I moved out of that area, you know, I mean, I keep hearing that. And yes, Ray did have a good program, a good day program. So guess where they put my son in his good day program? Because he had a behavioral history from being raped by his teacher, such a great place out there, um, he had become uh, aggressive from being raped and having his scrotum ruptured. So when he exited school, because he had a behavioral history, he couldn't go in the normal high-functioning beneficial loving program. He had to be in a nursing home day activity program with old people in wheelchairs that hit tables and say bitch all day long. So how do you think I felt as a parent taking my son there because he got raped and developed behaviors? Because that's what the state requires. You know, screw that. I'm sorry. That's exactly right. 
The best thing for my son is me. The best thing for my son is me. Period. (laughs) And and that is true. And uh, my problem was that I left their father. Their father dumped him. And he wanted to put him in a state institution, and I refused to sign that I, uh, because of just what you're saying. I think my son did get molested. I don't know if they finished it because he was a big kid, and uh, he doesn't like anyone to touch him. And it's been very indicative to me that he had been either attempted or completed it, but he won't let anyone touch him. His brothers can, and if his nieces and nephews do, um, they, they're very mindful. But he, he does not like to be touched. And, I, I, and that is what happens. And if he had gone into a state institution, that would have been even worse. And you know what, Patricia? Tell her, Elaine, about the Munchauser stuff, would you? Oh, uh, what? Munchausen syndrome. This is, you know, I, I only got on this call this morning because I was so sick I was going to sleep in because Patty said you were going to talk about autism. But um, here's what happened. So Ray got raped. And, um, and, and so I didn't even, normally if your kid is hurt at school, you, uh, you go to the doctor and you get... Um, you know, a note, and someone from the school calls you. So I put in my seven hours on the job and and get home, and here's my son, and no note, no nothing, bath time, and I find out he's got a ruptured scrotum. And so mm-hmm. I filed a, a complaint against the school, and they immediately offered me $28,000 to not what? go to court. They offered me $28,000 to not go to court. And so I said no. I said no because this teacher has injured my son and he's going to do it to somebody else. And so, so then a, a day before the trial, they they offered me fifty thousand. And I said no. I'm a poor woman. I mean, I have struggled in poverty my entire life. I could have used that money. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I said I said no because. I, it wasn't the moral and ethical thing for me to do. And so um, we went to trial, and basically, long story short, uh, they said that, that I was um, a complaining parent that was never satisfied, that, I, that the, the defense, the school's defense, said they can show 12 3-inch binders where I have had meetings with the school and communicated with about my son's needs. And that's true. Because I had to develop his behavior plan, I taught him language, I was printing out 50 pages of curriculum a week for him because all they wanted to do is let him sit and rock or stuff food in his mouth so he'd be quiet and happy. And that's true. But then they said, and what we really know is that Miss Ray has Munchausen syndrome. And I, I, I leaned over to my attorney and I said, what is that? And And he said, Elaine, he said, they're just trying to discredit you. And I said, well, what is it? And he said, well, it's a psychological disorder. And I thought, oh, my God. And so then what they said, Munchausen syndrome is usually found in women that are raising children 
And they really, these insecure women really feel that they need to uh, have the attention of a medical professional. It's kind of like a turn-on for them. And so if they're not ill, what they will do, some women have made their children sick just so that they can go in front of a doctor and get their nuts off, you know, with however that stimulates them. And so they'll do it again and again and again. And that's what they were accusing me of, that I was bringing this forward because I needed to have attention. And, you know, when I think about my life and how I've had to fight and struggle all this time, and, and, you know, I didn't ask to have an autistic kid, you know. It just really made me mad. But even today, even today, because that is in my records, right, because it was in a court proceeding, uh, I have medical professionals assume the same thing about me now. So even though my son was raped and that happened in 2006, we lost the case, and they and then they sued my son for $28,000 and put a lien on my home. And I was about to make my last mortgage payment on the trailer. And um, and they and they so I had to file a BK11 so that I could keep my home. And you know I called up the attorney and I said, you guys sued me, you sued my son. And what makes this really bad is that was my employer, you know. Um, and so I said, you did this, you did this, and then the the lawyer laughed, right? And he said, oh. You're right. We didn't. We shouldn't have put a lien on your on your property because you weren't the one in trial. You were just representing your son. So we're sorry we made that mistake. But darn it, you know what? Now I I had that was way back then. So their mistake caused me to have a BK on my record for ten years. You know, a bankruptcy on your on your. Yeah. Why do you have I a filed. bankruptcy? Because the only way I could get the lien off my property was to file a Chapter 11 and, and it will remove um, And anybody else can put the, they can do BK and be back in business in a year and a half. Great job. Great job, yeah. Do you see so why anyway, she's I one of the most, this is why she's one of the most special people on the planet to me because she's gone through all of this and she's still she's still got the warrior in her (laughs) yeah we can't give you cannot give up on this stuff because that's exactly their MO is to uh, make certain you wear down and they can annihilate you yeah yeah Yeah, I know well, that's why I moved out here. Really, I got so tired of being misunderstood and misrepresented, and mm-hmm. and and just everything. I mean, besides the fact that I wanted to save my mom's life, <laughs> um, yeah. I just get to the point where you know what? Maybe this is age-related. Maybe this is another lesson I'm going through. I'm tired of people. I'm tired of falsehood and BS and all that garbage. There's not a loving world. I don't see a loving world today. I I struggle to see love in other people. And so I'm thankful for the friends that I have because I choose my friends. 
<laughs> I'm not going to be around negative people. I've had enough of that. I don't have time to pull you along on my high horizon to, to you know, self-empowerment and joy. I, you know, you're responsible for yourself, and I'm sorry, but I've been taken advantage of so long by trying to help people and be good, and then I, it only turns around to say that, oh, she doesn't know how to talk, or oh, she's incapable, or she doesn't have a, a societal insight, or oh, she has Munchausen's syndrome, she must be mentally ill, well, screw it. As far as I'm concerned, I'm not the one that's mentally ill, <laughs> Yeah. And I am still, I haven't given up hope on humanity, and that goes back to, you know, how God must feel about us, even though we continually do things that destroy our own lives and our environment. We still have love coming from our Creator because He knows the ingredients of our soul. And if we make intellectual choices to follow the goodness in our heart, we can become children of God, so to speak. Well, and the other side of it, too, is how much um, the growth in you makes them worse because you keep growing and they keep shrinking because all of their world is starting to crumble around them as more people are getting what you're getting. I mean, this is history repeating itself, Elaine. What did they do in Germany? They annihilated all of the special needs, handicap, uh, long-term illness, they annihilated all of them. Hi, Dr. Logic. It's good to have you on our call today. We're we're talking about what we we are thankful for. And listening to uh, one of our members, Elaine, telling what has gone on in her life and so much of what goes on in our life has to be looked at clearly. If you're not looking at it clearly, you're you're ostriching yourself, and that doesn't help you at all. So it behooves us to what is it that I need to learn? What is it I need to change? And where can I go to get more information about it? And that's that's really where we are, because we're being told how to change this. We get messages from, everybody gets messages, and we all need to kind of hear those messages. They're really, really quite potent. So um, it's good. So who else wants that? Colin, what are you thankful for for this weekend? <laughs> well, uh, Come on, my man. I'm here. Are you there? Oh, yeah, I'm here. Okay. You're asking interesting questions. <laughs> Every year we ask that interesting question. <laughs> Does anybody remember what he was thankful for last year? I don't. I don't either. That that does prove some interesting point, doesn't it? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Are we listening to ourselves? 
I'm thankful to Colin, Annie Lane, and, and Patricia, and everybody on this phone call. Because for the last year without you guys, I don't know how bad I'd be right now. <laughs> well, and that's that's a, a good point because each of us has helped each other whether we can put it into words or not, is it words that are going to say it right? Or is it just, there's this feeling. It's just, I, I just know I got something. I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And it it will come to you when it's supposed to come to you. We are all in our own little bubbles. And they're special bubbles. And we share with each other. I tried to tell Mom that she was a bubblehead just like me, Bruce's mother. (laughs) She goes, oh, no, I just forget things. You're the bubble brain. I said, oh, really? (laughs) Okay. I said, well, I like being a bubble brain. You might want to try it. There's value to it. <laughs> you know, but you guys can understand me. I mean, yeah. I don't make sense to her half the time. You know, somebody that gets a Christmas parent present who needed underwear so bad, has not had a new pair of panties for 10 years, and is so excited when she opens a box full of them that she puts a pair of them on her head and is just all happy. It did not get quite the right response. <laughs> because she put it on her head or what? Yeah, because they didn't understand why I would put them on my head. <laughs> Bruce did. He loved it. <laughs> and that's what it was. I said, you know, I have not had any money to go to the store and buy even a new pair of panties in 10 years. (laughs) And I was ecstatic. You know. It takes what it takes. Yeah. And they were little girls size 14. They weren't even sexy. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) There you go. Yep. (laughs) Hard but so interesting about what you're saying is where you can find humor in simplicity. Yeah. That's where humor is. It's in the simplicity of it all. So, on to bigger and better things, as they say. Well, let me peek out my window. It's still dark out there. Is it? No, it's light. It's coming up. I'm waiting for the three days of darkness. <laughs> okay. They may have happened. We didn't never even know. Hey, we could have blanked our minds out for three days. Mm-hmm. We might already be in December. Uh, Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> Who knows maybe. where we are? Who knows what lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. But just think of this, that there's three days of darkness on one side of the planet. It's going to be three days of light on the other. So which side of light are you going to stand on, you know? 
And really, I'm that thankful. I'm thankful for life, and even even all of its hardships. But I'm thankful also for being able to learn that you can be thankful for your passing. I mean, when I saw my mom dying, um, you know, I was thankful for the journey that she was enduring, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, and I was thankful that she was able to to pass through and in her suffering. So there's a time for everything, you know. There's a time being happy with life and there's a, a time for being happy with death. And I think that that's the balance, you know. There's there's always a a swing, a pendulum swings in two directions. But at, at one point in the swinging, it's perpetual motion, just like life, that energy. But at one point in the swinging, you're going to get to that middle ground. And so if you can stand in the middle ground and view the the swing, you know, the directional changes, but still be standing in the middle ground, you're in control of your journey. Mm -hmm. Good, good, good. Great point, great point. Wow, that's very profound. Mm Mm-hmm. Where is everybody today? They probably forgot. Are they doing Thanksgiving weekend? Yeah, they may be, but it's all right. We carry on. A lot of families now are far apart, and they have to travel to be together on Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. 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 And as my son did, he went to Florida. Do they have relatives there? Warmer weather. What? Do they have relatives there, or they just went to vacation? Uh, they went on vacation, but the fact is they stopped at their bro- his brother's place, my second son's place, on the way down, and they had brunch together, and then they uh, mosey on down to where they were going to spend the weekend. Oh. Yeah? Nice. Nice. I don't get to go on those things anymore, so... Uh, no, you're, I, you're hmm? too old. Are you too old or what? Yeah, it's, it's, that, I, I don't know what the reason is. I don't bother <laughs> the interfere. Not for me to tell them to take me. I, I've never gone to any of their locations. So it's okay. Life moves on is the way I look at it. <laughs> it's all about where are you at the moment you're doing it, so... Life is exciting no matter what people are saying. <laughs> and you're the only one to make it exciting. You really are. And when you can make life exciting in the way you want it to be exciting, you are truly in your own um, heaven and, and availability of whom you should be, not what someone else wants you to be. That's the way I look at things. Yeah. I look at them as, well, oh, this is exciting. Oh, how to change from 24-hour clock to 12-hour clock when formatting Windows 7. Oh, I'm still back in trying to figure out how to make a 12-hour clock. 
Yeah, well, that's what I'm in, too. So if you figure it out before me, tell me. Five tutorials and <laughs> how to do it. Yeah. But this is about Windows 7. I don't care about that. It's just the a.m. and the p.m. So military uh, timer, 24-hour clock, is uh, 12 hours of day and 12 hours of night. So instead of going daytime, 12 and then 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, it's uh, 12, 13, 14, 15 around into the p.m. That's all it is. It's just it takes Go ahead. It just it takes it for me. I always set to the 12 hour because I have to use my mind to figure out what am I in 13 or 14. You know, whereas if I'm on a 12 hour, I I know it's two or three o'clock. <laughs> you know. Yep. Yeah, and part of the thing that's valuable is that you're able to distinguish between those two points of value. It's all points of value. It's important or it's not. I just move forward on it. <laughs> oh, this is way too complicated for me. You'd have to know what you were doing. This is called programming puzzles and cold golf beta. Build a 12-hour digital clock. In my mm-hmm. essay, Use the 24-Hour Clock, I claim that trying to re- represent the 12-Hour Clock directly in data is a terrible exercise in patchy inelegant programming. No problem. We'll just use computers to do these calculations for us. Yes, but computers need to be programmed. And trying to account for AM and PM directly in a computer program, especially the extremely tricky way we encode it, with 12 representing zero, is prone to bugs and program mistakes, which can cost millions at the airport in scheduling mishaps as if it's a much easier for computers to work in 24-hour time in, interna- in internal calculations and then convert the times to 12 hours per time for easy human reading instead of having to deal with dozens of notional issues that would be the case when using 12 I don't know, but... Here's your chance to prove me wrong. Your task is to build a clock. Class that supports the following. Add hours, add minutes, difficult minutes. Oh, God. You are really off into a journey, Wonder Anne. (laughs) Good luck. Good luck. That's way over my head. Yeah, well, that's what we're studying, how to make those clocks work. Okay. How to make them work. And they do work. It's just how well do we get them to work? <laughs> it's the, uh, the time. It's interesting. If you look at computers, um, everything is programming is a series of ones and zeros and ones and zeros with one being 12. So how many ones make 24? But see, the whole idea of time I mean, it's a it's a measurement. Whenever you create a measurement, you've created a boundary. You've created a starting and an ending point. So the whole concept of time 
really should be irrelevant in the sense that, you know, there is no ending to time. We just need to measure time in our society so we know when to get up and go to work, you know? (laughs) Today, yeah. But there was no clocks or watches or anything in the centuries before. Uh, Back in the early one, it was a sundial. Yeah. So many good people in there. That's what wakes me up is the sun. Or just that I'm used to getting up every morning at 6 o'clock. You know? Yeah. It's it's, what, what these really are, what I have in my classes, are really showing each of us how that we've gone from a um a digital uh, an analog world which is your clock with the numbers going around a dial to where there's just numbers people have clocks now they don't know how to read a dial that's why you've gotten into the smartphones the smart meters the smart this and the smart that because they don't want you to know how to read the dial anymore. So it it is a way in which uh, we can offshoot some of that stuff and go a different way. So much is turned into, this is all a digital world now. It's really all a digital world. I still want to hear what Colin was going to talk about with the GCMAF and what he's found out. Yeah, Colin, let's go back to that point. First of all, let's give a little background for people. Back in October, we heard of doctors being killed who were holistic doctors, and they were disappearing or showing up as committed suicide, or showing up as um, they uh, really were very dejected, and blah, 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 blah. But the real essence of what has gone on is the issue, someone's doing a lot of rattling, uh, issue of... These doctors had on their own time discovered that the vaccines that were being put out by the health organizations and all the other fraudulent murder associated groups were uh, being put out so that the people would never catch on to how much the autism was set up in the vaccine what it was that was in the vaccine that caused the autism and why these people uh, needed to even go and find out why there was this um, large quantity of autistic kids out here in the world. And it all goes to what these holistic doctors found out. They found out that in the vaccine, and this is what Colin's going to bring out, the actual name, and he's going to tell us how those names 
were, how that name was used against these people who were about to blow the whistle on the crap that was out there. So who's, who's doing all the things? Patty, I'm going to silence you only for a second. Okay, Patty, it was, it was your um, moving something around that was making a lot of noise. So, Colin, tell us what is it that we're really talking about here and, and why it is important that people really understand what is the horror that these men went through and why they were being systematically killed and removed. All right. I've been doing research, and it is, you know, they were, uh, they found compounds that occurs naturally, bacteria, viruses, and cancer cells secrete it as a defense against the immune system in that it acts as a cloaking device to hide them from the immune system. It works by stopping vitamin D from binding to uh, a protein that's called GC. And when when it is allowed to uh, bind, it creates a compound called GCMAF, and they use uh, <coughs> and uh, without the GCMAF, you can develop autism, cancer, and uh, type 2 diabetes. And it's added, deliberately added to the all vaccines. And it's done to do this. It's a soft kill population uh, reduction. And they were about to uh, spill the beans and they started committing suicide. One One of the doctors who still, who well, he was. I don't know if he still is, but uh, he uh, recorded an interview with Hageman and Hageman, and uh, he's very—he's terrified. He really is. But the interview has been published. They were giving uh, when they were trying when they were having it. They had all kinds of. Uh, interference with to where they couldn't uh, finally you know succeed in uh, in their pro in their three hour program until the third hour they kept getting interfered with and in the course of my uh, looking into it I came across a uh, a medical practice here in Reno that uses G C-M-A-F, to uh, treat cancers. And they also do the tests to see if you have N-A-G-A-L-A-S-E in your system. And it's very high in uh, 
children with autism and people who are autistic have cancer. And, uh, you know, apparently in diabetes. So uh, I won't name the, 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 the organization here because of the recording. But you can find it in your own area if there's any practices to do it. But the GCMAF has, uh, it reverses one of the, one of the doctors, they were treating, they treated, I think it was 15 autistic children with it, and 10 of them were covered. So, You know, once the GCMAF is in, you know, can be into your system, uh, the cancers can't hide from the immune system. And, uh, yeah, you know, that's a big threat to the pharmaceutical industry and the medical industry. But uh, yeah, it's a uh, interesting thing. Plus, yeah. Plus, I found Hello. out. Hi. Go ahead. Hello. Hello. Where are you? You you faded. Can you speak up towards? Uh... All right. Okay. The. Uh... I'm not hearing you. I'm oh, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah, I know. I hear you, but I can't hear you. Okay. All right. Okay, I've got you on my phone. My, my earbuds died. Go ahead. All right. Pharmaceutical industry and the medical industry. So this is a big this is a big threat to their profits, as well as an impediment to the uh, depopulation agenda that the cabal has. So What's going on, Colin? What? We can't hear you. You're you're speaking slowly. Is something wrong? No, no. Uh, I was thinking. Uh, oh. Okay. But the uh, to find this, I I you know I I just uh, went into my to the, my search engine. And by the way, before you do this, use the start page search engine because it uh, uh, doesn't record your uh, IP address and your 
identification information. Yeah, so uh, I just put into the search engine the name of the enzyme, and I came up with some interesting articles. And uh, it uh, described uh, how the chemical, the chemical chain, how it works, etc. And uh, the lost my train of thought on that one but uh, that was how I found it and this medical practice here in Reno did it came up you know with it uh, then I did another search the GCMAF uh, you know, practices that used it and, it and this one in Reno came up uh, again, I'm not going to mention their name uh, because it's being, this is being recorded. But you can do the same thing for your area. And if you have cancer, see, one of the one of the things that can be done with it on the tests, on the test for it, is that it will confirm that there's a cancer in your body long before it is visible. Wow. Okay. I don't know what it costs. I haven't talked to these people yet. I know where they are. I just haven't got down there to talk to them. I won't talk to them over the phone. So you're going and to sit down and physically talk to them. That's right. Because, because what I'm looking, one of the things I'm looking for, I need a uh, a dentist, like a, 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 a GP, and an ophthalmologist who are naturopathic doctors in the Reno area. They're they're keeping a very low profile. Mm-hmm. They don't list themselves in the phone book or anything. Uh, you know, they are being persecuted by their own, their peers and who are allopathic doctors. But one of the things that did come up is, uh, okay, there it is. Yeah. Uh, a report has just been published out of China on a cataract treatment. Now, it uses a, a compound. I'll have to spell it. L-A-N-O-S-T-E-R-O-L. And it is already being used in the veterinary practices for canine and... Uh, Right. Oh, yeah. Canine and... Uh, feline. A feline, yeah. Feline uh, cataracts. Treat them. And it, clear, and it causes the, the, clouded cat, the clouded lens to clear up. Mm. Yeah. 
And uh, once in China, they're, they're, they've been using rabbits and dogs, and they've reversed cataracts. Really? How expensive is that? Uh, that's the thing. You know, it's not a, you know, it's not a you know generally available, uh, you know, for humans. But the mechanism that causes cataracts is common to all mammals. We are mammals. Mm-hmm. So I've got I'm looking into this one. This is why I need a naturopathic ophthalmologist. I need to talk to him. But, uh, yeah, because I have cataracts. The cataract in my right eye has reached the point where I can, uh, I can't see uh, clearly at the, uh, uh, 70 or 80 yards, I can't see clearly because the image is broken up by the protein clouding in the lens. So I am in the process now of uh, practicing shooting a rifle with my left hand, my left side, because the left eye is a, uh, it's working fine. The right eye is getting clouded. So I have to retrain. Um, I've done it in the past, you know, just for purposes of, you know, training on training the weak side. But uh, I just I just have to get proficient again. I haven't done it for a while. But, uh, yeah, the treatment consists of an injection one one time. And then the then the treatment is taken over with eye drops. Wow. And they're reversing the cataracts that way? That's right. You don't have to go through the operate the surgery like you did. Wow. Okay. And you and you yourself have told me that uh uh some years ago you had to uh, go in and have your artificial lenses cleaned, which right. cost, I think I think you said it was $2,500 an eye? Something like that, or for the pair, but it was exorbitant, absolutely yeah. exorbitant. Uh-huh. Yeah. And this repairs your own lens. Yeah, it, could, it reverses mm-hmm. the, uh, it breaks up the, uh, clumping of proteins in the lens that uh, causes the cloudiness. Wow. So it resumes its clear nature as it's supposed to be. Mm-mm-mm. So uh, where are you? Because say I have one of my dogs has the cataracts and the other two are, uh, the other old man is getting it too. Well, you'll have to go see your veterinary and ask about it. Uh, they're too expensive. I can't even do that. Well, you know, you'd have to talk to someone. Uh, you know, veterinary's assisted, whatever. You know, you might be able to buy the buy the uh the compound itself, the eye drops, uh, you know, on the internet. You might be able to. You have to check. 
Uh, you know. There are so many things about ready to break free, you guys. Yeah, that's right. But you see, okay, right now, the biggest operation that ophthalmologists are performing in this country is lens replacement. Right. And they don't have enough doctors that can do it. So there's a waiting list. Each of them have a waiting list for the operation, you know, for you to get your operation. And this is a non-invasive, very simple uh, treatment. I have one question. Is the shot that they give you in your eye? I have no idea. Okay, okay, okay. If they give it to me in my arm, I'll be a little bit better off. But if I got to have the needle in the eye, I'm not sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah. The, uh, I just found out about this about seven days ago. Wow, this is fantastic. Yep. Dr. Collins. And, yeah. And there's another one that uh, has come up that uh, I will send the link to uh, Patricia along with these other, other this other information, you know, spellings and such, for the follow-up. Cool. But, uh, yeah, basically the uh, this other, this major article, uh, it has five pages in it. I've read for the first two. I remember seeing this particular article about uh, six years ago, and it's, it's reappeared. It is written by a retired Supreme Court justice who, in the course of helping a, his, his brother fight a problem with the IRS, came up with this information, and his the name is withheld. The name of the judge is withheld because he will be killed for revealing the information. Wow. But it's about the uh, uh, the essence of it is okay, of the 51 men who signed the Declaration of Independence, 21 of those men were bar attorneys and agents of the king. And they betrayed the other 30 in the in the group who were true patriots, and they, their families, were all hunted down and killed and their property seized or destroyed. Right. The 21 agents of the king were traitors. The founding fathers were traitors. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't give a damn about the people. I have never been able to find a list of the signatories for the Constitution of uh, 1787. I've never been able to find one. Who signed it? The document was never submitted for a uh, referendum to the people. 
and the term to ourselves and our pos- posterity means only the signatory of the document. Right. Oh, wow. So, unless you are descended from one of those signatories, the Constitution does not apply to you. None of right. that. It was designed for years. And uh, uh, I will send it to him. I suggest all of you read it. It's a pretty good, it's a pretty pretty long read, but do it anyway. Don't they have it on liquid book? <laughs> I'm sorry. I like to listen to things rather than to read it. I call it liquid no, book. No, no, this is not good. <laughs> uh, I found it. It's been reposted on uh, before it's news. Oh, okay. And, I, and I'm not sure how much longer it'll be up there. Okay. Before it gets removed. Okay. But Part of the thing to, that you're you know, saying is that... Oh, I'm sorry. Part of the thing that you're saying is exactly what I have been saying for years and what was discovered. Every once in a while, out comes a list of the true patriots that were signing the Declaration of Independence. Mm-hmm. And they were... they. They died poverty-stricken. They died in prison. This old gentleman, his wife, was terribly ill. They threw her in jail, and she died in prison. And they all were... They never connected it with the Constitution. Why? Because of the the fact that it, it never came out that way. But remember a line that was said way back that we did here in history and then it kind of disappeared. If they knew what we were doing, we would be hung or shot. I always interpreted that being the British, if they knew what we were doing, would hang us. But it was actually the colonists. Ah. Mm -hmm. And And your colonists were lied to when you even study, and this is something I started before with the young gentleman. Here, I'll read it. I have the the magazine right here. He was a British fellow, and he was, um, he's played in many different um, uh, movies that were in Britain, and and he's called... His name is called Cumberbatch, and the article is Cracking the Cumberbatch. Now, this was actually written in 2014, and uh, he's played all these different um, shows. He was Stephen, in Stephen Hawking's, and Hawking is 2004, and then he was uh, Vincent Van Gogh, and Van Gogh painted with words. And he was in Sherlock Holmes, and he was playing Julian Assange in the Fifth Estate, and then Alan Turnell. But what's interesting is how they read this, the, the point, this man is from London, from England, born and raised, and it's saying, the man, the meme, the galaxy's hottest geek, 
Britain's cumbersted conquers the colonies. And Oscar may be next. Yeah. We never won the Revolutionary War. We still are a colony. And that is why people, when they hear, what are we giving the Queen money for? Well, we've never been a free country. Never. And that's been the hoax that we've lived with for all these, this almost 250 years, we're into 235 or so now. It's been a lie because at the time of the Treaty of Paris, we had supposedly our patriots were British lawyers, and then the British British lawyers were the counterpart. They were all for Britain. We paid Britain money for the Revolutionary War. If we won, why were we paying money? Mm-hmm. So what is saying is just getting more credence yeah. of the lie that has been on our books for ages. Go ahead, Colin. Virtually all of the money that was loaned to the colonies ended up in the pocket of the... Uh, uh, the founding fathers, virtually all of it, and it was done to protect them. That's what it was for. And if you're not a signatory to the document, then it's a uh, you know you're not doesn't doesn't uh, it doesn't affect, you know it doesn't uh, affect your rights. I know. The contract. Good morning. That's the contract. It's always been a contract, and that's what we learned when we were listening to um, uh, Jonathan Livingston. He pointed that out to us back in, what was it, uh, 08 or something like that, or even earlier. Oh, yeah. This is old stuff. And the uh, when the southern when the southern delegations walked out of Congress in 1861, the yeah. contract was breached and no longer valid. And uh, so yeah. we have nothing. Constitutional rights are a fiction. It doesn't exist. Yeah. But if the uh, the rulers would to come out and say this openly. Uh, within 24 hours, there wouldn't be a single one of one of them or their families left alive in this country. They would be killed. I have That's an why it's they, they have to maintain. They, they have to maintain the fiction or. Uh, the uh, the people will kill them. Period. Okay. What has to be done is that these people have to be removed from power. And by people, these people, I mean the international bankers, the uh, bar associations, and 
their subservient politicians and insurance companies and such and corporations have to be removed from power. The whole system has to be dismantled. May I jump in? Yeah, go ahead. Thank you. By the way, the noise you hear is a train approaching. Um, I'm in a train station. This is Donaldson. Greetings to everyone. Yeah. I'm really happy to hear everyone on the call this morning. Sorry, I'm a little late here. Uh, contract, a promise or set of promises for breach of which the law gives a remedy. So, or the performance of which the law in some way recognizes as a duty. And now, the reason to say it like that is because it, I'm just reading it directly out of the law dictionary here. It's a fifth edition. I think it's a 2008 uh, from Barron. Got a lot of case law in it, so it's doing some common law things here. Um, what's interesting about it, right, is this, though, you guys, a promise. Contract, a promise. It doesn't even say that the word contract is a promise and a signature. It does not say that. So, therefore, it leads me to believe that um, in law, in their society, that a contract could be just nothing more than a promise. And then, like, acceptance of that promise might be taken, you know, by your conduct. You might be, it might be accepted, you know, by, by your conduct. So I think even if we didn't sign it, right, our conduct has definitely been what's been engaged. And, and thus, the, I mean, it's a presumption, at least. And that's a good point. However, what they've made true is the fact that what we used to believe your word is your contract, and that's the way people used to do contracts, was by their word. And what they've done is nullify those so that no one has a contract with anyone except those hidden contracts, i.e. your driver's license, your uh, uh, registration of your car, um, uh, going into uh, going into uh, the military that you signed in when you never even knew you were signing in at the time you got your first driver's license. All of that is part of the lie that has been going on over and over and over again for everyone that we know. Absolutely everyone we know. So it's a, it's a very interesting. Which part oh of my God, my library card is a lie, and a library is full of books full of lies. Oh my uh. God. <laughs> <laughs> Patty, do you know Patty? Go ahead. And, and and beautiful, did you guys know that the Thirteenth Amendment in that that writing called the Constitution. That's the that's really the only amendment uh, or part of that that protects individual rights because there are no other protections or guarantees by uh, for for private actors by private actors. In other words, the only actions that the purported to be the only actions are government actions that are 
um, protected against. So, like, yeah, if a private person does something, again, we've gone over this. It's kind of confusing, mm -hmm. but the way that they've done it is to create all these corporate fictions, right, to act as a buffer be right before the government. See, they go between the people and the government, and they purport to be government, but they're actually private actors, which is why they get away with so much. Correct. The Constitution, the Constitution only protects against government action, not private. Now, we can see the picture and bigger. Can I interject? I don't want you to know you're private. We are all private, but we don't know that. Oh, can I ask? Can you? Am I? Am I on mute? No. Go, yeah, you're you're okay. Go ahead. Oh, well, I just wanted to bring up. You know, I sometimes it's like um, the devil is in the details, and why is that? Because we get all these point topical uh, ideas and subject matters that we focus on and, and try to relate to current happenings. And it kind of prevents us from seeing the picture from its core and out. But I just sent a wonder on a, an article, and it's called the, the Price They Paid. And this has to do with those that were citing the Constitution and what was the purpose in the Revolutionary War. And basically, England, it was our, there were two wars going on. There was the War of Liberty regarding the South and the East and slavery. And the war of the United States or the Americas breaking off from England and the power of the king. So those were the two wars, and the purpose of the Constitution was to ratify the states. And so that's the core of it, to ratify the states. But in doing that, they would have to first separate from the rule of England and then find some common ground between the, the, those that needed the income of slavery and those that were against it. So that was a tremendous undertaking for the signers of the Constitution. The article, um, I'll just read a little snippet. Uh, it's called The Price They Paid. And it says, have you ever wondered what happened to the 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence? What states befell them for daring to put their names on that document? Five signers were captured by the British as traitors and tortured before they died, right? The British, the King of England, the Queen. Uh, Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons serving in the Revolutionary Army and other had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds or hardship of the Revolutionary War. They, so isn't that terrible? They signed and they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. What kind of men were they? 24 were lawyers and jurists. 11 were merchants. Nine were farmers and large plantation owners. Men of means, well-educated, but they signed the Declaration of Independence knowing full well that the penalty would be death if they were captured. Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy planner and trader, saw his ship swept away by the seas of the British Navy. Uh, he sold his home and property to pay his debts and died in rags. There's that honor, paying off the debt. Thomas McKean, was hounded by the British, and uh, so hounded by the British that he was forced to move his family 
uh, almost constantly. Who was he hounded by? The British. Um, <clears throat> he served in Congress without pay, and his family was kept in hiding. His possessions were taken from him, and poverty was his reward. Sandals were soldiers looted the property of Dillery, Hall, Clymer, Walton, Gwinnett, Hayward, Rutledge, and Middleton. At the Battle of Yorktown, Thomas Nelson Jr. noted that the British general had taken over the Nelson home for his headquarters and quietly urged General George Washington to open fire. The home was destroyed and Nelson died in bankrupt. Francis Lewis had his home and property destroyed. The enemy jailed his wife and she died within a few months. It goes on and on and on and on about how these men that were brave enough to do this were had all of their possessions and everything destroyed. And, you know, today, we're, we still, all we have, now the big talk is corporations are entities, right? And that's been signed to forget the bill now. I put a blog on it a long time ago, but um, where now corporations are considered entities and they can buy land or stocks and portions or percentages of the United States as as individuals because corporate corporations are now individuals. So when the Americas was trying to separate or were trying to separate from England, the king, the, the dominance of that monetary structure, they were uh, ratifying their independence, but there was there was uh, a segregation or separate, the separatists got involved because they wanted to manage the economics of Americas, and that was done through slavery. So divide and conquer. I mean, today we have the same thing. Our banks are run by, our economy is run by the World Bank. It's run by the Rothschilds, by the higher elite, those in their lineage. And, and basically we've done nothing. Is for the Constitution by making themselves individuals, and the corporations are just a cloak for the world monetary system. So we've done nothing different in this world, and we're still performing the same. Uh, you know, history repeats itself, basically. And I hear you. But I beg to differ, and I appreciate your thoughts on some of what you said. Came from Snoops.com, which is a reliable content. They do a lot of research, and the cool word now is vetting um, to uh, validate. So that's it. I just wanted to bring that up. Well, part of the thing that you have to understand is that when you go back, even go further forward on these uh, signers of the Declaration of Independence you will find that the ones that remained alive, not destroyed by the British, were the lawyers who became your judges, who became your district attorneys, who became your political leaders of the time. This is what they don't want you to know. Because I read further, and they have disguised the point of what uh, is being said. And yes, we have to go over history. If you don't know your history, it will keep repeating. And that's what we're going through right now. All right. The lie is out here. (laughs) We're calling it what it is. 
a lie. All right, now we come to the uh, the, the family that has controlled the uh, uh, the world banking system since uh, the 1770s. The Rothschild family. That their name mm-hmm. at that time was Bauer, and Bauer owned the king with debt. Oh, was England, and uh, he. The British soldiers refused to fight against the colonists because they viewed them as their brothers and British citizens. And to get troops, Bauer made contracts on the on the European continent and hired mercenaries, mostly from the German states, unemployed soldiers. And it cost him 50 cents a day. He went to the king and stated that, uh, you know, I, you know, we have these mercenaries available to you that you can send over there to fight for you, but they'll cost you a dollar a day. So for every one of those mercenaries, Bauer and his family was making 50 cents. Right. And they're, you know, a day. And there were thousands of them, many thousands of them, the Hessians. And, uh, yeah. You know, and he he built up that particular one. You know, he, he did it. He worked it on it, and uh, even at that point, he had de facto control of the British Empire because he had the king's debt and tax collections that the king was doing was barely enough to pay the interest on his loans. And so, you know, this is when this was the lever that Bauer had over the king. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. They had they had to, they had to hire mercenaries to fight against it. Hey, Colin. Hey, I haven't talked to you in a while. Nice to hear your voice. Hello. Yeah, I'm Donaldson saying hi, Colin. You sound cool, man. You sound it's good to hear you. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. They're mercenaries. There's nothing changed with what they've been doing. Um, you know, uh, to this very day, they still have these hired help. And if you look at the yeah. police officers, the way the police officers operate, they are hired help for the city and county. They actually work for the United States government. That's why they fly the American flag, military flag, on the back of their car. They don't. If you look on your local police. Local police cars don't generally have the seal of the city and county on it. But that's a good point, don't you think, Colin? Yeah. So that means that they are hired help. They're basically bounty hunters, and they are utilizing the, the Constitution, and they're utilizing the 14th Amendment about the validity of the public debt being... Um, sorry about the noise. The validity of the public debt can't be questioned when it comes to the insurrection and rebellion against the laws of the United States. So anytime you've broken a law or been there's like an accusation against you, taking you into custody creates a situation of conservatorship. It's a constructive trust. I mean, these people are wicked. They're wicked. Now, the other thing is I wanted to bring up was the notice issue that I spoke to Wonder Ran about and, and giving notice. The thing that I think we've done um, – this, which was kind of we've tried to do was give notice. The Declaration of Independence was nothing more than than notice, and it was 
it was noticed that we could abolish or change our government at will if we didn't if we didn't want to do it if we didn't like it and that notice to the world that a people could actually do that and stand together i mean that that definitely you know took you know they, it beating right okay not only that i mean they're trying to kill it the idea altogether but what i think john f kennedy did was give notice to everybody when he gave his speech about conspiracies and concealment um and so then again, that's another reason for his demise is, is him giving notice, you see, that any part of a concealment, any concealment is part of a conspiracy. Um, and I think that that is relevant because when they conceal this, this information of, um, about these corporate governments and how when they participate in, in commerce, when they become market participants, that they actually get treated like any other private citizen. That's common law case law right there. And, and, and so the way that they're getting away with it is they've got judges that are non-constitutional as far as in the jury room, right, in the, in the courtroom. Judges are not allowed in the courtroom under the Constitution, but unless by services, right? So they've got these people um, in a sense like acting as middlemen for the corporation, right, so, yeah, that's why you're seeing a lot of heat come against judges right now because, you know, whether they do or don't have an oath, right? But because they're – and in closing, because everybody uses the Constitution as their fundamental principle for the reason they're doing what they're doing as far as legally here in this country, we can just presume that it's still in effect. Whether or not it's valid or not, they are using it, and that's why I highly recommend that we still – play the game a little bit longer instead of act like it's completely um, not something that we did. We also kind of contributed by not getting involved earlier, you know. Um, so for me, I definitely, um, that, I've said enough, so I'm going to mute out. I like it when, he's, when the train comes because it's like we're flying between different worlds. It's like we're out in outer space. <laughs> well, part of what what he's saying is is the issue that uh, JFK actually gave notice to the world mm-hmm. that we were all hoodwinked, and because we were hoodwinked, we need to do something different, and that something different was what JFK did was to create the silver dollars, to create uh, putting silver back into the bills so that our, our currency was valuable again. It wasn't valuable the way they were doing it with this um, supposed uh, fiat money that he was having to swallow, and he didn't like it. He didn't like it at all. I don't think he had any idea that people would go against him the way they did. I don't think he realized that he was putting his life on the line. Well, that's the point of bringing it out. When JFK said it, guess where he said it? He said it to the press club in D.C., who owns the press club? Who knew the press club was owned by these people? 
And so the speech never got reported to the people. Right. And see, with the the issue that was even said by Wilson, they all whispered that there was something terribly wrong here, and we don't dare raise our voice above a whisper or we will be annihilated. And that is what they all feared back in the early teens of the 1900s. This was not a make-believe thing. This was an actual, actual rendition. And it's gotten worse and worse and worse. Yeah. Well, right, but what we're saying is what, what is being said and what um, Donaldson is pointing out is what he's read in today's papers of where the actual, and get this, the actual fact that Kennedy voiced these opinions in public made it possible for people to not be usurped by what was going on. Correct. Correct. He did that because it was not written down before about the concealment. And because he did it in a public way, now, and he spoke for the people, just like the Declaration of Independence did, Right now, everyone has an opportunity. They can say they can basically say, "Look, any part of concealment is part of a conspiracy. Any concealment is part of that," and just base it on JFK's speech. But you wouldn't even have to mention JFK. But go ahead, Wonder. And so that's where there is a remedy here, so that we can start speaking out that your lie is voiced now. And this is why they've done so much work to conceal JFK's murder and hide the body. They did not want the body seen. This is what has gone on because of the, the horror that they were perpetrating on the people. And the people would have been just absolutely torn apart by the terror they created over and over with the assassination of JFK. And they didn't want anything JFK set up, Johnson reversed. Within days, that was the purpose of his being a kill. Patricia? Yeah. All right. John Kennedy ordered okay, in the uh, the act that creates the created the Federal Reserve. Uh, there is a provision that if the government repays the original loan, then the franchise for our currency is canceled to the Federal Reserve. And JFK gave notice to do that. He had the Bureau of Engraving printing up uh, $4 billion worth of about $1 and $5 silver certificates. Correct. And note that I used certificate instead of note or currency. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. Absolutely. Because a note is a debt instrument and a 
certificate is backed by assets. And the, uh, at the same time, he ordered the Denver Mint to start producing on the peace dollar design and dated 1964 silver dollars. Mm-hmm. And at the time of his assassination, there were 400,000 of those coins ready to go. And five or six of them walked out of the mint in the pockets of employees. That's the only reason I know to exist. And what he was going to do, he was going to repay the original $1 billion loan and nullify the franchise that the Federal Reserve has to uh, print our currency. Wow. Wow. Okay. And there were certificates, not notes. Mm-hmm. I remember the silver certificates. I was <laughs> old enough to know what they were. Even at that time, I was collecting coins. And of course, in 1964, no, starting in 1965, uh, Johnson removed the silver from our coins. And in 1982, the copper was removed from our pennies. And Nixon removed the silver from any bills or something like that. He did something. Nixon Nixon did not. Uh Johnson Johnson did that. What Nixon did was stop converting Federal Reserve notes to gold when these notes were held by foreign governments. He stopped the conversion of them for gold because they were cashing in their excess Federal Reserve notes, which are, which are you know, still, uh, basically still is the international currency. The U.S. has no currency. We use the right. international standard. And uh, the... Uh, but Kennedy did that. He was going to cancel the franchise that the Federal Reserve had, restore, you know, restore it. And as part of the measures to do so, the Federal Reserve, the uh, silver certificates were withdrawn from circulation and destroyed. The coins were melted down. Wow. To back up what Colin is saying, though, uh, just I just looked up the Webster's definition of certificate, and it says a document which shows that you own something. So, and we had a, we obviously owned a lot of silver, copper, and and, uh, and stuff like that. So that's why uh, JFK was was minting gold. Uh, no, sorry, silver silver certificates and and coins. Is that correct, there, Colin? Yes. Well, uh, we had silver in our coins up till the issue year of 1964. In 1965, with the exception of half dollars, the uh, silver was removed from our coins. The silver was demonetized. And uh, the, sil- the remaining, the, the half dollars was, was containing only 40% silver from 65 to 1970. And that was silver was removed in the issues of 
in the in the fact that this was totally set up to make certain we couldn't ever say we paid the bill off. Where are we now with this bill? Is this why we're in the next level of bankruptcy? Is this why we're continually never free from debt? That's it. Our economy is totally based on debt. Every Federal Reserve note in circulation is a debt instrument. It does not exist without its debt somewhere. And the... uh, Okay. I feel better now, you guys. I had to do a cough stop and rub Vicks all over my chest. I've been sick for a week. Oh, but I feel better now. Yeah, sorry I was making so much noise. Hacking and coughing. Yeah, I muted you because I thought... and. It quieted it down once we got you. And now, Elaine, I just caught the biggest, ugliest spider I've ever had in my bedroom, and I'm watching him in a jar. <laughs> oh, Elaine. Yeah. Elaine. Yeah. You need, Hello. Okay, yeah. You need to yeah. do the searches I did, and where you are, you need to find a medical practice that will perform the Magalese test. And you need to take Ray and get him tested. What's it called? Magalese? I didn't understand that. It's an enzyme. It comes oh. naturally. See? You write, You got something to write with? Yeah, I'm trying to. Go ahead. I'm ready. All right. I'll spell it for you. November. Alpha. Go. Wait, go. Alpha. N A, and then the next one. Go. You know, G is in go. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Then Alpha. Lima. Alpha. Sierra. Echo. P like Paul. No. Spell it. N A G A N A S E, right? No. L A S A. Lima. I oh. have Lima Peru. Yeah, you just spell the letters. I have N A G A L A S. You want E at the end? D? E. E like an Edward. Oh, oh, oh. Excellent. Excellent. Nice. I have N A G A L A S E. Is that right? Yes. Bless now, us. You're a nurse. You need to find an actual medical doctor to get this test performed. And, What's it for? Uh, for? For his autism. Okay. All right. And the uh, uh, the compound known as GCMAF in, in in cases has reversed autism. 
I sent you some stuff on that last night, too, Elaine. Yes, I know, and I got it. That's really great. Um, sorry, my yeah. son is at me a moment here. That's okay. Yeah. But, uh, Can you reach me on Real fast, Colin. N-A-G-A-L-A-F-E? L-A-S Wait, let Colin speak. All right. It's N-A-G. Yeah. L-A-S-E. Got it. F-E. Right. Okay. Thank you. Also, a, te- a positive result on this te- with this test for this stuff will indicate you have cancer, even though there's no visible sign of cancer. And apparently... It also shows up if you have type 2 diabetes. Because the presence of this enzyme in your system invalidates the immune system. And it's this. Great, great time. We can't hear you. Who's making the noise? It's the elevated train. Oh, okay. Yes. All right, can't do much about that. But uh, <clears throat> the uh, uh, what it does is that it invalidates the uh, uh, immune system, interferes with its working. Otherwise, it would destroy the abnormal cells, which are called cancer. It will... You know, it causes the, it basically shorts out the nervous system. And it causes the immune system to attack. And this is a cause of autoimmune disease. Mm-hmm. There's a let me, nine-year-old let me read, girl. Oh, go ahead. I was going to read something up from the Internet about, uh, real quick, the sabotage, to sabotage the immune system and put... Uh, macrophages to sleep. Yep. All viruses make nagalese, the enzyme that blocks production of GCMAF. Without GCMAF, the protein that activates mac- macrophages and jump starts the entire immune system, HIV and other viruses can grow unimpeded. Nagalese puts the immune system to sleep, but this doctor, right, he demonstrated that the GCMAF administration bypasses the, the Natalie's blockage and reactivates the macrophages, which then proceed to kill the HIV viruses and cure the infection. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the point we're raising. And they're just and starting to study this yeah, stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. And there is a clinic that uses this compound, the GCMAF, in the treatment of cancer. I haven't talked to them yet, but I'm going to physically go down there and I'm going to talk to them. And uh, but Elaine needs to get her son tested for the presence of this enzyme 
And I'm sure it's going to be a positive end, positive death. And then she has to find a clinic in her area that uses this in their treatments for cancer. And, you know, she's a nurse. She knows the protocol she'll have to go through. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Colin, Elaine has the savage book that you, you can't find. The what? The book you can't find by Terry Savage. I think that's her name. Remember, there's a book you're looking for in your collection of books with Mark, and one was by his wife. Yeah. Well, Elaine has that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very rare book. Yeah. Well, she told me to tell you she has. About the only people that have it are the very old NTS members. Did you just call her old? Going back to the 90s. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's okay. I'm, I'm as old as I am. Um, no, that was the Tracy, uh, the part about Jesus, I don't know, understanding Jesus and the Christ consciousness and the Neo thing. I don't know, but I have all those books, and I do have that section. I remember reading it. Um, Patty, you have... Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Permission to give Colin my phone number. Not okay. now, but sometime and that way we can talk about it because I I it's five, 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 no, five, 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 You know that's not a real phone number, you guys. Well, okay, with all the fives. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just had okay. a headache and I'm sick. But I can't really focus on what Colin is saying because right. I'm so, so yucky. But I did write it down. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I think I he was talking about the remedy just for you guys, for your autistic uh, son. Yeah. If you get this test done, then maybe we can eradicate that blockage, right, that's being caused by this nagalese, right, which blocks the MCGAF issue, right, which stops your son from being able to receive uh, correct impulses, messages, you know, the body working correctly and stuff like that. I'm I'm pretty sure that's what he's getting at. Um, So, yeah, Yeah. good luck with that. Yeah. What what the GCMAF does is to Remove the short from his brain. Well, his nerves in his brain are being shorted out, his neurons. And this, the GCMAF eliminates the shorts so the neurons can function properly. Now, I wonder how they do that. There's, there's, right, there's a nine-year-old girl in Texas right now. She's in a hospital. And on a Friday about a month ago, she was required to take a flu shot at her school. And Saturday, the next day, she got sick, vomiting and things of that nature. And on Sunday, her parents took her to the hospital. She's been there ever since. She is paralyzed from the waist down, and she is blind. Yep, that's that's right. Go The Nagalese in the shot has shorted out the nerves 
that service her lower body and have shorted out the optic nerves. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's terrible. I tell you, when I think about my life and how it's been since my son, um, you know, he was, uh, he had congenital hydrocephaly. Um, but but he was a normal baby at birth. I mean, he would smile at me, make eye contact, laugh. He was standing up by holding furniture at three months, and he was um, saying mama and dada at six months. And then he had his um, his uh, his uh, MMR vaccine, and all of that stopped, and he started having grandma seizures. And it's interesting because the, the first thing they diagnosed him with was autoimmune disorder. Yep. That's exactly what they diagnosed him with. Type 2 diabetes is generally caused by the immune system attacking the isolates of Langerhorn's in the pancreas. That's where the insulin is produced. Ah, interesting. I wish the immune system destroys them. And you... Then you have to stick that needle in you. Yeah, I tell you, I'm a, I am so afraid, uh, and I'm not saying it in a cowardly way, but you know, this uh, this autism has just impacted my life so heavily and yeah. deeply, every aspect of my life, that I really feel angered that this has been allowed. And in the year 1990, that my son was born. The onset of autism, or or the statistics, was one in one thousand. In 1990, it jumped up to one in one hundred, and that was the very same year that they started giving Thermosil a 70% increase in the MMR. Thermosil is a form of mercury in the MMR vaccine, and that is when they gave. That's when my son was born, and that was when he had that vaccination. And I tell you, you know, I I just don't want to give my son that vaccination again because it has already basically devastated my life. You know, I mean, I appreciate my life, but I'm just saying my life yeah. is very damaged by my son's disability. Yeah. There's a firestorm right now that's starting in Kenya. And the firestorm is the tetanus vaccine supplied to the Kenyan government to, uh, you know, for the inoculation of their population there. And in that vaccine is a chemical that sterilizes young girls and women of childbearing age. And this particular lot of vaccine is reserved for young girls and women of childbearing age. It is to sterilize them. Wow. Oh, yeah. And needless to say, uh, some people are getting a little irritated. At least a they're little seeing bit it now. Yeah. Okay. Now, well, the other side of that, too. Go ahead. AIDS was introduced into Africa in I think it was 76 or 77, in the smallpox vaccine that was provided to that part of Africa 
by the UN. And in this country, AIDS was introduced into the homosexual population via the hepatitis vaccine in the same time. Wow. Okay. And part of the thing that you have to recall is the fact that uh, everything that's going on now is being supported by a great philanthropical organization called Microsoft. Microsoft, a wonderful uh, uh, charity organization, goes into these African countries and provides the vaccinations that are able to help these children to be better inoculated against diseases. However, when they get the shot at the front door, they usually die when they go out the back door because they are so laced with crap. And these people are not getting any relief. They are being killed to where the people won't go to them anymore. But, oh, they brag about how wonderful, how wonderful a Microsoft charity is and all the good they do and rack a rack a lie, lie, lie. Yeah. And uh, this, is, this is what people are having to really start learning. There is no truth yeah. in these charitable yeah. organizations. Yeah. There is a file on Bill and Belinda Gates that is being held by the good guys who are opposing the cabal. There is a warrant for their arrest good. on the crimes their charge and the charges are crimes against humanity, genocide, <laughs> murder. They just have to be served. And this they, and this is also against virtually every member of Congress because 98% of the members of Congress are bar attorneys. Yep. Okay, now, there is a, an attorney in Hawaii named Dr. His, Dr. Aiden. He is the attorney general for the kingdom of Hawaii. And the kingdom of Hawaii never stopped existing in 1893 it was nearly suppressed when the country was taken over by the planters and annexed by the United States. It has never ceased to exist. It has legal recognition around the world. And they are in the process now of removing Hawaii from the United States. And, and resuming as an independent nation. But Dr. Aiden has been criticized because he is a bar attorney. He is a member of the International Bar and the Bar of the State of Hawaii and California and I think one or two other states. But he answered the criticism by simply stating that I am a bar attorney. As long as I have those credentials, I can go into any court in the world and sit in the back and take my little notes in shorthand and observe the proceedings. And as long as I do not disrupt the proceedings, 
the judges cannot throw me out. Those bar cards are his credentials to be there. <coughs> they, and he can observe what they do and take notes. That is why he has not resigned from the bar. As soon as this crap is resolved, he will resign from the bar. So, Colin, okay. can I ask you a question? When I went to, yeah. on, on a side note, and I want to keep you focused, but when I went to court and sat in there just watching, you know, in the in the franchise court, I mean, yeah. I, that, I was not allowed to do that under their policies. Is that what you're saying? Right. You, are you a bar attorney? No. That's right. There you go. You are were not licensed to be there. To not even sit in the back area? Nope. You wow. cannot do it. No wonder you the judge was looking have, at me. Oh, yeah. You do not have the necessary license, which is the bar code. Colin, that's being refuted a lot by the fact that we have court watchers. Court watchers go in and sit quietly just make notes. They also cannot disturb the court action, but they can watch. And it makes the that's judges that's very the nervous judges? because they no. don't know who they are. Right. You see, and that's what the NLA people are doing, going into the courts and sitting and observing the judge. Yes. They are hey, anonymous. Yes. They're anonymous. Right. And the judge did not exercise his prerogative to have them removed. But Correct. if they if he knows they are in LA observers, they will be removed. Well, they haven't been. We've been we've no. been doing so it far, around the country. The judge has the option to mm. do so. If he wants to. Yeah, we got cops at our courtroom doors that keep you out. Unless you're supposed to be there. Okay. Yep. But, you know, that's how it is, you know. It's like, you know, it's like a lot of laws. You know, we break them every day. We don't know about them. But the yep. laws that uh, that make it illegal, whatever it is, aren't enforced. When I went in, I'll tell you what I ha- what happened was these uh, the judge was like running over the the verbiage. Do you understand that you're going to be waiving your constitutional rights? You they don't did have that. Any. I, I I hear what you're saying, okay, and I don't want to argue that on this particular uh, sentence, sure. but we can talk about that after this. But like ultimately, the judge said. Hey, he said, do you understand you're going to be waiving your constitutional rights? Three separate times to this person that was the defendant. And, 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 uh, and every time, the, co- the, 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 lo- the uh, judge would sit there and look at me and, 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 and then ask the, uh, the culprit whether they wanted to waive their rights. And then the judge would be looking at me in the back. Right. Nobody. You're a threat. 
Well, the actual thing is that he doesn't know if he's a court watcher and can be caught for not saying exactly that. Mm-hmm. See, that's the point that the court watchers have been able They rattle the judge, and the judge watches what he's saying, how he's saying it, and is very cognizant that there's someone watching him. You come in looking very professional, and you just sit down with your little yellow tablet, and it makes them nervous as hell. Uh, and we love it. We love it. Yeah. Patricia, yeah. in the Army, we had a saying, okay? The three most dangerous people in the Army. One was a second lieutenant with a map. He thinks he knows how to read it, but he doesn't. The second was a buck sergeant with a compass. Because again, he thinks he knows how to use it, but he doesn't. The third was a private with a clipboard. Because he's been told to write down his observations, and he's going to write down everything he sees. And the people he's watching, a lot of times are doing something illegal, and they're, they're afraid, you know, when that report hits the desk of the Provo Marshal. Yep. Okay. Well, your court watchers are the private with the clipboard. Correct. Okay. And Dr. Aiden knows shorthand. I don't know which system, but he can take he can take down in his little steno book and write and record every word that is said in that courtroom. And when he's right. watching. They cannot remove him because he has the international and several state bar cards in his pocket. So he is immune. He's immune. He's got a license to be there. Correct. The judges can't do anything about it, and he has the the secretarial skills, him personally, that will record every word that's said in that courtroom while he's sitting there. It's called speed writing. Well, there's speed writing, great shorthand. There's a number of different ones. You know, because uh, the high school I was in in Colorado, they had a course there that you could take if you wanted to. It was an elective, and they taught three different systems of shorthand. Yeah, Pittman, Greg, and speed writing. Yeah. Wasn't there They're something awesome. called the Evelyn Wood School well, of that's Speed Writing? Speed reading. Oh, Evelyn right. Wood is speed reading. Okay. <laughs> no wonder I got it all wrong. <laughs> well, no, it, it's it's in that genre. That's all. It's mm-hmm. it's important to know which way things are going. Yeah. All about Patricia. what Colin is saying is the, the um, insanity of the courtrooms. Mm-hmm. That's all. Mm-hmm. And that's why another another thing before Colin jumps back in is that they are going to be using the Constitution, even though it it has no it's de facto government. We all know that. We've done the research. But they're still using it. They won't switch over to the to you know the du jour 
Constitution Declaration of Independence because they don't want to be abolished. Correct. Here's the thing on that, okay? When this mess is settled, and if we're fortunate enough to win our one battle that will give us the victory over these people, okay, the Constitution has got to be pulled out. It has to be, you know, lined out. Every word in that Constitution has to be, have a meaning of terms section, just like in a uh, uh, quantum document. And every word will have to be, the meaning of it will have to be stated in that glossary. And uh, that will be the only meaning for that word in that document. Period. No creative interpretation. And everyone, okay, every adult, when this changeover happens, is going to have to be educated in this. They're going to have to go back to school. And they're going to have to make a decision. And I would give them a 30-day window to do it once they finish their education and pass the test showing that they understand the new document, even though it's going to be basically the same constitution. But they understand it and can pass a written test on it. Then... They have 30 days from the time that once the certificate from that class is issued to go to a judge, be sworn in as a citizen, and sign the, declar- sign the Constitution and become a signatory so it applies to them. And then when there's all the other children, all the other children who are not 18, when they reach 18, their parents will take them to a judge. They will be sworn in. You know, they have, they'll have to pass the same competency test on the Constitution. And then, after they're sworn in as a citizen, they will sign the Constitution and become a signatory. And this is the only way that we're going to have a valid document that will apply to everybody. But you will have a 30-day window to do this and if you don't do it, if you decline to do this, not be, you know, don't take the responsibilities of citizenship onto you, then you become a lawful resident where you live, meaning you can live there, work there, you know, and you have, you know, you're not a citizen. You do not have, you know, certain rights are reserved to citizens. Certain jobs will be reserved to citizens. Like police, military, judges, you how you and certain teachers will have to be. And if you decline to take these responsibilities on, <coughs> then you become a lawful resident, and you become just a a clerk or a warehouse worker. You are hired as needed to do work. And you will be paid fairly, etc. But you will not have the right to vote, hold public office, you know, things of that nature. You will be restricted as to the type of guns you can own. Okay? Citizens will be the police. They will be the judges. They will be the soldiers. They will be 
the administrators of the government. They will teach certain classes in the schools. You will have to be a citizen to teach it. And one of those classes will be the Constitution. And the defining factor between the legal resident and the citizen will be that the citizen has a spark in his consciousness that makes him want to believe and is willing to accept the responsibility of being a citizen. And there will be privileges. The citizen will be, via the Dick Act, a member of the militia. He will be, you know, it'll be just like um, the one I'm looking at is the Swiss pattern, the Swiss, the Swiss militia. Where you are in the militia, you are in the, the militia in Switzerland at the age of 17 when you go for your basic training. If you're going to be a private, after six months you're sent home. They issue your equipment, including a weapon, and send you home. If you've been selected to be an NCO, then you will serve a year, and the same thing will happen. If you're selected to be an officer, two years, and you will be, you know, commissioned and sent home. Again, with all your equipment and weapons. And you will be integrated into the militia organization in the area you reside in. Okay. And you will do active duty three or four times a year, you know, guarding the borders, things of that nature. That's what you will do for, until you reach the age of well, with you know longevity, basically the way it is. You know, right now in Switzerland, it's age 64. Is when you uh, are no longer active in the militia. How do how do you factor in the international scheme of things, Colin? You know, see, what? today's today's legal world, it's all about the onset of the new world order and international well, law. Okay. Well, how do you how do you, how do you use? Hey, go ahead. Hey, Donaldson. This is assuming that the New World Order is defeated. If the New World Order wins, then you just might as well find some place to hold up, arm yourself, wait for them to come for you, and when they come for you, kill as many of them as you can before they kill you. Because you are not going to want to live in their world. Period. Okay. That is the decision every one of us are facing now. Everyone. That's how desperate the situation is. The, the counter forces against the New World Order have a slight edge on the upper hand side. The New World Order proponents are getting dangerously desperate. This is why they're pulling that crap in uh, Syria and, uh, and other parts of the world. This is why they're doing it. They're desperate. They know they're losing. But they're still extremely dangerous, and they can still win. We're in a situation that General Sam Houston of Texas was in in 1836. He was the commander-in-chief of the Army of the Republic. Uh-oh, I think his thing died. And what he's talking about is how Sam Houston 
knew he, his crew had only one battle left in it, in them against uh, Santa Ana. And so they had to actually be able to win against these odds. And the odds were that this Santana had a crew that was really far better than what we had as Americans. Only he set it, um, Sam Houston set up a contest. Uh, okay, there's Colin, he's back. Let me get him unmuted. Uh-oh. Oh, I just got him unmuted. And All right, I'm Colin, back. I got him to Hello? where he's at the contest with um, with right. uh, Jim Houston Santana. Yeah. We're almost Patricia. out of time on this group. Yeah, yeah, Patricia. Okay, I just got cut off by Talk to you, so I just dialed back in. We know. Continue where you left off. All right, okay. <clears throat> All right, let me get this on the speaker again. Okay. All right. Sam Houston was charged to recruit and train an army to fight the Mexican armies under Santa Ana. And there were five Mexican armies in Texas at that time. And he got a force together, Colonel Travis and his garrison at the Alamo fought him 14 days before they were killed, and Santa Ana moved forward. Santa Ana was a real nutcase. He heard voices. And today he would be locked in a rubber room, in a straitjacket, and was on Thorazine. But at that time, he was the supreme ruler of Mexico. And he had, uh, in his ego, he was going to destroy them. So he just had the other four armies patrolling. And he went after Houston. And for six weeks, he and Houston engaged in a campaign of maneuver. Houston's troops were getting really mad because they weren't being allowed to fight. But Houston knew that his army had one battle in it, and if they lost, everybody was dead. Women, children, the whole bit. Everybody was dead. And after six weeks of maneuver, Houston found what he needed, which was a, a patch of ground that was perfect, that gave him the advantage in a battle. It was, it was soft ground, so uh, Santa Ana's cavalry could not be readily used because the horses would sink into the ground from their weight. <clears throat> so anyway, on the day of the battle, Houston waited. They were waiting under cover. And at uh, 11 o'clock, the Mexican army had went into their siesta. And that's when Houston attacked. And he defeated them in 20 minutes. He killed over 800 Mexicans in that 20 minutes. He himself was wounded. Santa Ana evaded initial capture. 
But while, while Houston was being treated by the, uh, the, by the surgeon to remove uh, bone fragments from his leg where he took a uh, hit from a bullet uh, under a tree, his, uh, you know, he put the order out. He had called his officers together, and you know, they wanted to just kill Santa Ana. And Houston flat out told them, you will bring Santa Ana to me alive and unharmed. If any of you harm him or kill him, I personally will kill you, which he had the authority to do under the state of emergency that existed in the Texas Republic at that time. So Santa Ana was found. He was dressed as a woman, and he was brought in. Now, Houston had the president of Mexico and the commander-in-chief of the Mexican army as his prisoner. And I don't know how many of you know it, but at that time, anyone of importance had a secretary, which was a chest that traveled with them. It was part of their luggage. And it contained paper, ink, the sand, you know, all the other stuff necessary to write correspondence. And Houston's uh, uh, secretary was there, and they opened it up, and Santa Ana was told to sit down and write what he was told and then sign it. And this is why uh, this is why Santa Ana lost the war in 1836. He was a coward. He was not not willing to stand there and tell Houston, says, up yours, kill me. Had that happened, the next senior general, the senior general in those four armies, would have assumed command. His army's command would have been turned over to the next subordinate officer. And the four armies would have engaged in a a campaign of maneuver and got the Texas Army in a nutcracker and exterminated them. Now, each of those armies was larger, better equipped, and more powerful than Houston's army. But Santa Ana was a coward. So he did what Houston told him to do, and he was paroled back to Mexico after he conceded the existence of the of the uh, Republic of Texas. Now, in 1855, Benito Juarez overthrew Santa Ana, and instead of killing him like what was usually done to the losers in one of those coups, he was confined to one of his estates for life. And he was kept alive as an example to the Mexican people to never again allow a man like Santa Ana to rule their country. That was why he Did he have to wear a dress him. for the rest of his life? Yes. Do not allow a fool like this to leadership <laughs> positions in your country. That is why he was kept alive. Wow. But Can I comment real quick? Yes. Yeah. Houston knew there was one battle in his army, and he won it, and the Republic of Texas came into existence. Wow. In 1848, uh, again, the Rothschild operatives in this country provoked a war with Texas, I mean with Mexico, over Texas, because Texas, just like the Crimea did last year, 
they had a, a referendum, and 92% of the eligible voters in Crimea voted in that election, and 88% said, uh, no, I do not want to be part of the Ukraine. I want to be part of Russia. And Russia then, at the request of the people of Crimea, annexed them into the Russian Federation. And the same thing happened in Texas in 1848. Santa Ana took the bait, started a war, and he then proceeded to lose now New Mexico, Arizona, California, Nevada, and Utah. See? So this fool who was in command of tech of Mexico lost them just over half of their nation because of his stupidity. Okay. All right, Colin, relate that back to what we were talking about earlier. Which one? Well, the whole idea of Santa Ana, you know, being false leader. Are you are you suggesting that we we, I mean, literally, people need to come together and and in mass. I mean, I think you know, honestly, all these occupies and 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 protests, they have the right idea, okay? But there's just not the oomphsfa, right? The hoosfa behind it, right? They don't have it. Well, that's the thing. See, they're sheep. They're asleep. They took the blue pill. They they look they take look only at the surface. See? One of the things that broke mine, that broke me out of this mold, was something called uh, a video presentation of an article called "Slavery and the Eight Veils." And I sent the the uh, uh, links to find it on the on the on YouTube. To Patricia several times, but you know you need to watch it. It'll it's a big slap in the face. What it is uh, when you see it, uh, it's just like George Foreman grabbing you by the front of your shirt and picking you up off the ground, and then taking that other hand and turning it into that uh, thing called a fist that's the size of a ham and popping you in the middle of the face. It's called a wake up call. This is what it is. Well, can I interject here just a minute? (laughs) I I mean, you know, when I got on the call, I was talking about history and how it repeats itself. And uh, I really don't think that we need to be, or personally my decision, I am not going to kill or be killed. That is just not a... uh, That's no problem. That's no problem. You can do other things. Well, my, that's you, my you, can sit and say, you can sit in front of a word processor and do paperwork. You don't have to come my, out and do the act of killing. Here's my point. Here's my point is that, you know, today we are supposed to be a civilized people. I would think that over the period between 18 or 1776 and today that hopefully when people, quote, wake up or, or begin to realize what's really going on, that they'll be sophisticated enough, intellectual enough, and developed enough to know that 
repeating the course of history through violence is is futile. I mean, the United States makes its money through war. Right. And we cannot change the world society by just repeating previous mistakes. I think when John F. Kennedy was assassinated, I mean, he was a very idealistic individual and was people elected him. And we had a very naive society back then who believed that, you know, everything was the American dream. And I think that what happened with John F. Kennedy is he believed that. He believed in the people. He believed in the unification of the masses and the support of one another through, you know, honest means and equalization, not communism, but equal rights for all. And um, I think that what happened is, you know, the people were weak. Yeah, they could vote for a president and have idealistic ideas, but they didn't have any backbone. They didn't have any conviction. They were just living in an idealistic world. And there's no difference of living in it, to me, of living in an idealistic, you know, uh, flower, power, peaceful world and or living in a world of, okay, I'm going to defend my rights and my my, you know, bare arms. I mean, all of that releases you from the responsibility of a responsible action. Actually, you know? let me let me inter- let me interject real quick. I love what you're saying. It's really really nice, and you are a sweetheart. I really, I, I, but let me say this though, that bearing arms doesn't necessarily mean firearms. I was I was bringing this up on the phone with Wonder the other day, or, or some other call. I think it was True Freeman I was on the phone with. And I, and I mentioned, because I had heard this, that the right to bear arms is not talking about guns. It's actually talking about any arm that you have to defend yourself, whether it be a pencil, a tree branch, a pen, you know, to write, some, you know, the right letter. You know, a letter to someone can be an arm, you know, of defense. So when I hear what you're saying, when you're talking about the right to bear arms and all that could be leading to violence, and, and you, you, you have made a creed, basically, to to not be killed or be killed, killed or be killed. And that's fantastic. I, I, I support that. I can never be killed. We all know that. But you can never be killed. We all know that. I mean, on this call, because of the nature of this call, right? However, a lot of people out there, they're not up to speed yet, you know? But they will. They'll catch up in their own time, right? But again, just to, just to, uh, to comment on your comment about the... Uh, the, the arms. Anything can be an arm. What we're doing right now with the spiritual awareness is an arm. Go ahead. Okay. Well, what's okay, Elaine, 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 you're a nurse. You can serve this revolution when it happens by being a nurse in a field hospital. You can also no. serve it as being a clerk in a headquarters. Or in a supply hey. room. You have to have a weapon. So, oh, you know, I know. I, you but know, I'm you know, that, you know that where an attack can come in, you need to be armed to protect yourself. Right. But you see, well, what's interesting so, is anyone, a, a, a quadriplegic who can move his forefinger on his right hand can operate some machines, you know, can, can control them through a computer with the commands he can send with the one finger he can move. See? 
Well, that's in the plan. Everybody can do something, but you've got to get off your backside. You got to put down. You got to put down the beer. You got to get your hand out of the potato chips. You got to turn off the game on TV, and you got to do something against it, or you're going to be a slave. Because the way everything is set up right now with this dead economy, your okay. When you had Raymond, you applied for a birth certificate. And when you signed that application and they processed it, you sold Raymond to the Federal Reserve as a slave, just like your mother sold you to the Federal Reserve as a slave. My mother did the same thing to me. Well, I think that's just a fragment of another fragment of a corrupted system. But one thing that I... Hold on, Colin. One last thing is is just that um, the signing of the Declaration of Independence in the language of that, in the history books around it, it is is said that, and I don't know the exact words, I don't have it in front of me, but it it is said that by this declaration, and the declaration was the holding up of the quill, which is why you see the quill, uh, the feathered pen, you know, uh, depicted in so many uh, documents related to the Constitution, because the pen is mightier than the sword. That, well, was, their, that was their statement. Okay. All right. Here's what it is, though, okay? In the mid-1930s, when Adolf Hitler was consolidating his power, he was doing so, you know, he are, the Reichstag fire had already occurred. He had total power, and he was doing some decrees, and some jurists came from him from this, uh, the German Supreme Court, and he said, Mein Führer, what you are doing is violating the law. And Hitler said, he turned looked at this, these jurists and said, there you stand with your law, here I stand with my bayonets. Who do you think will win? You must have force to protect your laws. Force must be there. You know, and until we can totally redesign our system and from scratch, because you can't make a replacement system by using parts from the broken one. You have to totally discard the broken system and start over. And this is what's being a real pain in the butt. You know, finding a system that is equitable, fair, and free to replace the present slave system. Because the United States and, you know, basically the world is a big corporate plantation, and everybody on the planet is the slaves on that plantation. That's how it is. With a very small percentage at the top that run it. That's the international bankers, the bar associations, and the corporations. That is how it is. It is It's not nice. But if you ignore it, you do so at your peril. Because we are useless eaters in their eyes. We are using up their oxygen. 
and their resources by hiring And you must think about this. You will need a reservoir of force yourself. You will need a weapon and the skill to use it because if these people win, <clears throat> they will come and they will take Raymond and they will euthanize him because he is defective. See? This is what they will do. And there's nothing you can do to prevent it unless you have a reservoir of force to stop them. Let me mention this. this. You know what? This is why I want to start a whole program on how to wield wield the power of the federal government because that's totally yeah. within our, our ability. Every one of us as an individual has the power to wield, has the ability to, to wield that power of the federal government. That's I'm talking... But what David Wynn Miller does when he puts his, you know, military flag on his paperwork, what do you think he's doing? He's wielding the power of the, of, of the federal government. He's got the whole entire military behind him. Yep. Okay. But you see, the corporate entities have the gold fringed flag. That is admiralty law. The law of the sea. Commercial law and the military flag. Uh, Donaldson, are you aware of what the the uh, civil flag looks like? Yeah, yeah, it's got the stripes going up. Right, it's got thirteen red and white stripes, but they're vertical. And one of the things that will have to be changed on the flag is replacing the five-pointed pentagram stars with a seven-pointed star. Oh. Now, when, okay, when Kevin Trudeau and, you know, a couple of his friends designed the logo for the Global Information Network, they had the five-pointed star on it, okay? David Icke contacted his Kevin, told him what that five-pointed star meant, and he changed it to a seven-pointed star. The five-pointed star is an occult symbol. And if you look at the the elephant uh, logo of the Republican Party, the five-pointed star points down. That is the star of Baphomet. The devil. That's his representation. And it's on the Republican Party's logo. They changed it about 15 years ago. It used to be pointing up. This is how subtly they manipulate you. The people you know what's interesting that. about that? Yeah, what you just mentioned to me reminds me of the word kid, which is basically a baby, what, goat? Yep. Okay. And that's why we're all called kids, because you if, you think of, okay, if you think about that, right, that's a brainwashing scheme like a mother mother. I mean, I can't, I can't believe, what you just said was amazing, because, yeah, yeah hey, I mean, the I mean there you all go. Right. See? Every, the vast majority of people in the world are asleep 
because of brainwashing and conditioning by the state and their state-run education systems and the church, any church. I don't care what it is. It can be Buddhism, Shintoism, uh, you know, Catholicism, Islam, any of it. But they, one of the things they do is they want a docile population, and they get it. This is why uh, eight years ago, I, I had my little meeting with uh, Neo on, you know, on the Matrix. I had my little meeting, and I was offered the red pill and the blue pill. The blue pill, if I didn't want to know, you take the blue pill and you go back to sleep and you go back to the Matrix. Wait. Well, I took the red pill. I took the Before red pill, got a running start, went headfirst into the rabbit hole, and I'm still falling ain't near the bottom, and it's a one-way trip. You can never go back. So, you, you know, everyone has to make their decision whether they're going to have the blue pill or the red pill. But it's a permanent decision, and there's no going back. Actually, I hear what you're saying right now, and it makes good sense. And Hello? Hello. I think he dropped off, and he just, I, he just I got lost back up. I just yeah, got well, back on. Yeah, it's on the half me? hour now, so yeah, we're a half hour can over you? our time limit now. I know. And can you hear me? Yes. I can hear you. Okay. We need to close down, so we uh, yeah. four right. and a half hours is long. So okay. let us um, uh, let's do uh, just our closing of uh, putting our arms out and going yeah. forward, because I don't know how long my phone's going to last. So everybody, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> on the count of three, we give thanks yeah. for everything we've had today and all that we've had this year. And may we go forward with doing the correct facts and uh, life that is best for ourselves that we help others to also <laughs> achieve that. So let's go forward and give each other a big, huge hug across this country and all the people that didn't make it and want to make it. Let's go forward in unity. So one, yes. two, three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yep. it's been an interesting thing. I got dumped off when you came back on, and then I well, thought I was totally off. Yeah. We yeah. both got dumped off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I'm glad you told them the story, so. Yeah, that's what I wanted. You say, All right, you know, this, you know, we we are now out of time. You got we may it. literally, oh, stop the recording. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.